Welcome to episode 96 of the ADV podcast. And uh, we've got an interesting one for you today, or I should say myself and um, <laughs> Creepy Milk do, in any case. Don't worry, I'll explain. I'll explain shortly. You'll know exactly what's going on. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be, for the most part, hosting this solo today. Uh, uh, but I'm pretty sure, you know, Seamilk's supposed to pop in and explain why shortly. Anyway, let's get right into it, guys. Uh, we're going to start out, of course, with what's new, where we talk about what's new in China. And of course, unfortunately, we cannot escape the whole Olympics drama. You know, the Beijing Winter Olympics 2022 goes on. And as usual, we have to deal with all the nonsense uh, that comes along with it. Now, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but, uh, you know, we've recently been talking about Eileen Gu a lot, simply because of the whole very strange situation surrounding her circumstances. The fact that she uh, is representing China, um, and yet is a, a US citizen and holds dual citizenship, which by the way is against the law in China. If you hold dual citizenship, well, you're not allowed to hold dual citizenship in the first place. You, you actually cannot as a Chinese person by Chinese law have more than one citizenship. But of course, in order to represent China, in the Olympics or any other big competition, you are not allowed, definitely not allowed to have dual citizenship according to their own laws. However, they make exceptions and turn blind eyes whenever it is in their favor, whenever it helps them out. And this has seen a lot of uh, weird and hilarious situations crop up with regarding to Eileen Gu, especially her ignorance surrounding China, which is blatantly on display once again as she keep sharing her Instagram handle on Weibo. Now, for those of you who don't know what Weibo is, Weibo is China's Twitter knockoff. That's how it started. It's got a lot more features than Twitter, but it started as that. And so she's on Weibo with a huge amount of fans. She's followed, you know, by a ton of people. She's verified on Weibo, obviously, you know, she's a national hero. And she's posting her Instagram handle on there. It's like, come follow me on Instagram if you want to see more pictures type thing. This is absurd because if you think about it, the majority of her followers on Weibo cannot view Instagram. It's banned. It's blocked. You can't use a VPN in China legally. And yet there she is showing her Instagram handle. Um, now, uh, of course, the irony is thick and she has been doing it a lot she constantly shares her Instagram handle there. I mean, it's dumb. It's kind of, I don't know how to explain it. It's advertising an illegal thing. And yet she's getting away with it. Uh, I guess it's the same as if you put out an advert for, I don't know, selling uh, legitimate pharmaceuticals, but then have a link to where you can buy illegal drugs on the same page. It's just kind of bizarre. Anyway, one of the, the users on our subreddit came up with this fantastic meme, as you can see behind me. I've been using this everywhere. Um, it is the Marie Antoinette uh, com you know, comparison that I made in the last podcast, where it really is a let them eat cake moment. Or, you know, it, it turns out there's a, a very similar um, saying in Chinese, which is let them eat minced meat, which is a similar thing uh, where, when, uh, you know, an emperor in the past also had a bunch of starving peasants and so on and couldn't understand why they couldn't just eat minced meat. So it's kind of uh, ironic. So... Now, uh, we're going to have to move into something a little more dour, I suppose you could say. Something a little less cheery. Today's not going to be a very cheery episode, unfortunately. But uh, it's important nonetheless. 
and we're going to start out with uh, this whole idea of forced contraception. Now, this is a kind of a, um, well, it's kind of common knowledge that in China, they get to decide your rep your reproductive rights, okay, as a woman, as a family. And uh, what happens usually, at least what happened in the past, is they would have the one-child policy, and they would force abortions, and they would force you to get sterilized and things like that. They can do that. The government has the power. But now, of course, they have a, a lacking workforce, and so now they're trying to do the opposite. And at least Creepy Milk and myself, we predict that they will, there will come a time where they actually force people to conceive and, and have children. It's getting there. I mean, the incentives are already there. They're offering interest-free loans. They're offering um, special subsidies, all sorts of things to people who have more children. And soon it'll probably get to the point where they kind of make it mandatory. You know, you must get pregnant for your country type thing. Anyway, this is an interesting one because we have this article here which started to gain a little bit of attention. Let me get, get over here on Twitter and so on because you can see here a couple of uh, people were posting the Global Times will see your time abortion issue and raise you, raise you a woman's body does not really belong to herself. And woman's body does not really belong to herself. It can belong to the state. And people were tweeting this uh, and sharing this article around and as a result, of course, it got too much attention and bam, Global Times took it down. Good thing we've got archive.org, right? So I'm going to just read you a couple of interesting things from uh, this Global Times article. I have it up here. And please bear with me today. It's I'm running the thing solo, so it's a little here and there. We may You may have to put up with some of my uh, technical mishaps here. Anyway. So, uh, it starts by saying, <clears throat> Woman's body does not really belong to herself. It can belong to the state in some cases. Deng Yaqing, mother of a newborn son in Jiangxi province, discovered this when she was told by the local residential community's administrator that she would not get a huko or household registration for her firstborn unless she placed uh, an IUD, a contraceptive ring, inside her womb. Um, so, you see, this is kind of a crazy thing. Hukos are a person's legitimacy and identity in China. Think of yourself if you're American, but you don't have a social security number, you don't have a birth certificate, and you don't have an ID, you don't have a driver's license, and uh, what can you do? You wouldn't be able to buy alcohol, you wouldn't be able to register for anything in the government, you wouldn't be able to open a bank account or a credit card uh, or anything. Because without those basic forms of identification, you can't get anything done. Well, it's even worse in China. That huko, that residence permit, it, it basically makes you a human. And if you do not possess such a thing, you can't do anything. You will not be able to get education. You will not be able to buy things. You won't be able to, like I said, open a bank account, do anything official. You basically are, well, you'll have to resort to mooching off family, I suppose, or begging people for money or something like that. So, as you can see in this particular circumstance, and this is obviously because in that particular region they uh, have an issue with a certain minority or a certain group of people having too many children, so they're like, nah, that's not allowed anymore. So they threaten, um, they threatened her by saying that her firstborn child will not get a huko, in other words, will not be a legitimate citizen of China, unless, of course, she gets this IED surgery. Anyway, um, it's, it's a pretty crappy thing. And it just once again puts a highlight on the plight of women in China. This is something that uh, we've talked about quite a lot because we see ridiculous amounts of support for China when it comes to equality of the sexes in and amongst the, 
the the weird left versus right infighting that you find in America and in the Western world. People are always uh, trying to champion for some reason women's rights in China, but uh, they're very misguided and obviously don't know what's going on. And I really wish those people would educate themselves, read articles like this, and see what the Chinese state really thinks about women's rights and reproductive rights. Let's move on. Wrong mouse. Operating three computers at the same time is a bit of a weirder situation. Um, okay. A bit of a follow-up. Now, uh, remember last... Was it last, last time or the time before? Yeah, the time before, sorry. We spoke about the uh, mother of eight who was chained up in that like pigsty in rural China and she was forced to have eight children by her captors. Well, uh, China Uncle Mikey, who we introduced you to, uh, has actually done a follow-up. So I suggest you go and watch his video after this. But we came across this interesting clip from... Uh, Taiwan TV and I thought I'd play it for you all so that you guys could get an idea um, of the kind of attitude surrounding this so let's take a look I'm going to pop out of here and we're going to watch this quickly Dongjia 你这种国家在办东澳那文明的程度是低劣啊就我说穷是一个问题你买的人穷卖的人穷拐骗的人是吧邪恶 Oh, what's that standing in the background? Yo How's it going? <laughs> Trying my best here Okay, we have a visitor really Oh, well, here we go Speak to the mic So, hey guys, so the lore uh, Well, you're probably not watching the chat Oh, wait. oh, okay, yeah, sorry. The lore is that I was captured by CGTN to become a media challenger. <laughs> and my media is currently being challenged mm -hmm. in the closet with Xi Jinping, apparently. Okay. Um, and you are the one that sold me out for Qingdao. <laughs> so it's gotten pretty deep. It sounds correct, though. Yeah. Anyway, um, I got spinal surgery, and I'm pretty much fully recovered. Totally fine. I can walk, I can run, jump, but I can't sit. So this will be the week that I won't be here. Um, I will let Creepy Milk take over, okay. and I will moderate chat, and I'm in there chatting to you guys. 
But uh, wish me, well, you don't have to wish me recovery. I'm fine now. But next week, I'll be able to sit for an extended period of time. So I'll be back to normal. Good. I'm cool. glad. All right. Cool. See, See you ya. later. All right. I'll, See uh, ya. Bring that creep. Great. Just what I want. It's him staring over my shoulder. But anyway, okay, good stuff. Right, See I'll you later. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, I want to get back to that clip we just watched from Taiwan TV. For those of you who are perhaps listening to the podcast, it probably didn't make sense to you if you can't speak Chinese. But the uh, the host of the show was really just riling on mainland China. How How are we supposed to take a country seriously if they allow such evil uncivilized things to happen and it's quite crazy if you follow this story they keep doubling down you know this very blatant situation um and oh, it's it's just gotten out of hand because you know it turns out one of the missing girls that they think this woman is because she was obviously kidnapped and human trafficked uh is the daughter of a pla army um, veteran so they don't the local government doesn't want to release the dna results because they don't want people to find out because if it is actually her then they'll have problems with the pla there's a whole bunch of crap going on but the local government keeps defending this human trafficking situation it's ridiculous and yes china continuously claims when i say china by the way let me put this to rest when i say china i mean the chinese government all right when people say America bombs Syria, they're not saying the bus driver that drives the kids to school bombed Syria, right? They say the American administration, the American government. So let's put that to rest. When I say, you know, China responds, I'm talking about the government. But, you know, the fact that China goes out there and uh, praises the fact that they have a 5,000-year history and that they're so great and sending probes to the moon and all that, they continuously overlook these really, really bad things that are happening in rural China, which is part of China, and it's a systemic problem. It's a problem that you find all over the rural parts of China, human trafficking, kidnapping, all sorts of nonsense like this. And these are very important issues that they constantly gloss over. So paying attention to what happens with this situation with the mother of eight is really important because it will show you what the Chinese government, how it operates. Because it's gotten so much attention, not only uh, domestically, but of course, internationally as well, that they've kind of been backed into a corner. And even with this huge amount of pressure and scrutiny and everybody calling for proper action to be taken, they still sidestep responsibility. They still do not want to resolve this properly. It could be done in a minute. All they need to do, go take a DNA test, find out if she is one of these missing um, relatives that people claim that she is, and resolve the situation. Lock the guy up who has been uh, raping her for years. And it wasn't just him, it was also his son and someone else who's kind of being used as a um, you know, a sex slave, basically. It's an awful situation. Anyway, this situation, this particular one, is um, just one of many of these things that happen in China. And by focusing on it, we'll be able to really see how the Chinese government operates. And we should be looking at that rather than the, at the Olympic Games, to be honest. Because the Olympic Games does not represent China. It doesn't represent how China works. All it represents is how the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda works. So you can look at it from that point of view. But if you want to see the real China and the issues that China really faces, look at, it, look at this mother of eight story. Anyway, now we've got to get back to the Olympics, unfortunately. Um, but this is going to be in our main segment. And before we do that, I'm going to have to answer a couple of super chats. So there are a couple of chats that came in before the show. Um, and I'm going to go through them quickly. So here we go. 
Uh, Quinn F says, what will we learn about West Taiwan today? Well, still remains to be seen. Uh, Charles Womack says, has the CCP infiltrated the Canadian trucker protests? If so, would they play both sides in order to inflame the situation? No, but they certainly are jumping on um, this whole situation to use it as a propaganda win for China to say, look how great China is compared to um, the CCP. Uh, A.W. Jia says, uh, um, This is a tongue twister. It's like, if you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Nice. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, Cesario, Cesario GPN says, someone pointed out CCP communism was different from Soviet communism during the outrage over a Utah journalist trying to shame Canadian Freedom Convoy donors. Do you know the differences offhand? Well, yeah, Chinese communism isn't communism at all. Uh, it's a, like they say, it's communism with Chinese characteristics, which basically means whatever they want it to be. Because there are no real socialist programs in China. Some of them exist on paper, but it really is a fend-for-yourself type of a situation. Uh, we can go into it in more depth in an episode, which we can really just focus on that, because it is, it's is—it's—it's a big fallacy. You know, you see communist China, you see the hammer and sickles, but all it is is basically a, a dictatorship, an authoritarian government with an underlying capitalist, uh, crony capitalism and uh, protectionist kind of an economy. It's a weird situation. Anyway... <clears throat> a fucking archer says, if you ever want to want a break from people, I recommend a trip to MI's up, uh, probably Michigan's up. You guys would love Uper culture. Kind, humble people who, lo who love nature and hard work. I mean, those, those are my kind of people, to be honest. I grew up uh, in South Africa, kind of uh, on the farms and that sort of thing. So that's cool. Thank you. Um, okay. We have a Jim Wan knee for five dollars. Okay, um, says the channel crux on YouTube is a cesspool of Wumao, the viper's nest of vapid nonsense in the comment section, like bots responding to themselves. Matthew and Winston say something to prove you're Chinese. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. And Lightseeker, thank you very much, says. Uh, regarding knee-jerk whataboutism slash deflection, are PRC subjects and diaspora Chinese insecure uh, about how bad the CCP is or how messed up the contemporary China is? Uh, yeah, to a certain degree. We're going to get into that later, uh, later on in our main segment. Free Speech Respecter says, Would it be funny, funny or terrifying if you two just eating out and drinking, having fun, chilling out and out of nowhere, you see Chinese ox videotaping you guys? But <laughs> for him, he's not going to run away. Uh, yeah, that'd be terrifying. You know that footage of Chinese ox? For those of you who don't know, Chinese ox is this uh, huge, very muscular, um, they call it Hei Shi Hui, which means mafia, gangster, with a massive gold chain and tattoos that I filmed in Beijing. And I tell you what, it was hair-raising because in order to capture that footage, what I did was the, the guy I was with, a friend of mine, is sitting across the table from me. So I said, okay, strike a pose. I pretended to film him, but what I was doing is I was actually off frame filming Chinese Ox and his friends, a friend circle of these really like terrifying looking mafia guys because they all had their shirts off. They're all drinking Baijiu. They're drunk as hell. And, you know, one wrong move and that's it. Tickets, you probably end up in the hospital or, or disappeared, right? So I'm just filming this and I'm filming it and one of his friends turns around and looks at the camera and that's when I just like 
quickly put the camera down and pretend you to check settings. And I think well, I managed to avoid it. They didn't talk to me or anything. But that was one of the the most difficult clips that I've had to film in China. More difficult than filming like, I don't know, a, a military station or something or, a, I don't know, a military base, you know, because that's something you don't want to mess with. Anyway, um, we'll do one more because we're almost at the end of these ones and we'll move on to our main segment. Okay. Uh, Frederick York says, what's the dumbest commie policy you guys are subjected to living in China? Something that made you want to <laughs> go, what the ball sack? Oh, but there are some weird things, you know. Um, I was warned once because um, I was with my, my girlfriend at the time. We were going to book into a hotel. I was warned once that unmarried couples are not allowed to stay in the same hotel room together. And I was like, this can't be true. And I looked it up, but it actually was still the law, just not followed. You know, things like that. It's some weird things going on. Anyway, um, you did mention ball sex. All right. Last one, David Lopin. Um, whatever the CCP's flavor of Shaoxian Rou is, I'm certain they put uh, Lao Gun Ma on it. Yep. P.S. I'll post the timestamp shortly after the episode. Thank you. And Crabman, thank you very much, says, Hey, Winston, when are you going to man up and propose to Seamilk? Sorry, I'm already married, so that's not going to happen. All right, let's get back to the show. We're going to move on to Soft Power Hour where we talk about how the Chinese government is influencing you. And this is a perfect example, everybody. Take a look at this. So I think we're all very aware of the fact that China uh, employs a massive internet troll army. It's sometimes called the 50 Cent Army. Um, and it doesn't just compose, it's not just com composed of actual employees of the state, but it's also composed of what they call zigang wu mao, which are self-motivated 50 centers. In other words, a volunteer army. Um, and it's very effective. Think about it, right? Everybody relies on the internet these days. People rely on the internet for their news and, and for their information, and they're constantly scrolling and, and reading. I mean, think about it. It's almost like a, it's become a, a pandemic of itself, like people all people do are scrolling through their TikToks and Instagram and stuff. I don't want to sound like a boomer here, but it does get a bit much, you know, and people rely too much on what they take in from the internet. And so when you've got such a huge population like China has of 1.4 billion, which is probably more, by the way, than that, because remember we spoke about hukos, people that don't have a huko, they don't turn up on those senses, uh, you know, they don't turn up in the, the data. And so there's probably more than 1.4 billion people in China, to be fair. you got such a massive population, okay? Your 50 cent army, that small percentage of the population that um, are, first of all, volunteer 50 cent army, and that small population of the, um, uh, you know, the small amount, percentage of population that you hire to be a 50 cent army is going to be bigger than the population of most countries, right? I mean, just to put it into perspective, the city that I used to live in, in, in China, Shenzhen, the population when I was living there, it was about 16, it went between 16 and 21 million people in one city. That's more than Australia's entire population. Australia only has, what, 17 odd million people. So if one city can have more population than the whole of Australia, think about it. Your 50 cent army is, has a population bigger than any given small country out there, okay? And all they do is go out there and muddy the waters with misinformation, disinformation, attacking posts that they see as anti-China, 
boosting posts that they see as pro-China. And it's very effective, like I said, because the algorithms of YouTube and Twitter and so on, they respond to things like, for instance, upvotes and shares. When a specific post is being upvoted and shared a lot, what they'll do is they'll boost that post because it looks like, oh, this is a popular post. More people are going to want to see it. So they boost it and they put it out there. They do the same on YouTube, of course. And so it's very easy for this 50 cent army and volunteer army to get the message they want out, out there on the front page across the world and the messages they don't want. In other words, anything critical of the Chinese Communist Party to be kind of shadow banned and pushed down and pushed out of the way. It affects us a lot here on ADV uh, podcasts, ADV China, and of course our own personal channels, but it affects the narrative all around. And we're going to take a look. What you're seeing behind here is an account called Spicy Panda. That's on um, Twitter. Of course, you know, Twitter, that lovely website that uh, everyone kind of doesn't like, but still uses and feels terrible after using it. So Spicy Panda is a uh, propaganda account. It's very straightforward. I'll play you a little bit of what uh, they, they do in the background. So you can, wrong mouse again, give me a second. So you can see what's going on. <clears throat> All right, so straight away, you can see it's just praising Chinese culture and attacking uh, Western culture a lot and attacking the West a lot. But you're gonna see there's something very interesting about this specific account. All right, yeah, see, celebrating all this stuff, celebrating the, oh, look at all the great volunteer work that's being done. Look at how amazing the uh, venues look from specific angles that don't show the bad parts. Yeah, look, here's a Chinese taikonaut in space. What's this about the suddenly being thrown in there? What's this about the US, uh, the, the Afghan people, you see, and how America's bad and attacks Afghan, hang on a second, what is this? Now, here's where you got to pay attention. Okay. Turns out that this particular account has been artificially boosted by over 3,000 fake accounts and bot accounts. Actually, the New York Times did a piece on this, which is pretty good to read, um, if you can get past their stupid paywalls. Um, basically, it was found that around 3,000 accounts, all which were only created after December 1st uh, of last year, and with no followers and so on, we're just reposting the tweets from this particular Spicy Panda account and of course just liking and resharing and doing all the algorithm boosting stuff. But of course the accounts themselves were just nonsense, fake accounts, bot accounts. And this is what the Chinese Communist Party does a lot. They utilize Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, you name it. They utilize that as a propaganda tool, even though it's blocked in mainland China. They know it's effective, and they know that's the way to control the narrative in the West is to take advantage of Western social media. And unfortunately, unlike in China, Western social media is very open and allows anybody to join. Whereas in China, they block you out. If you've got a foreign IP address and you try to, for instance, create a Weibo account, it's impossible. You go try create a Weibo account now. It's going to ask you for your Chinese ID. It's going to see you from an outside IP, and it's going to take you to this passport.weibo.com um, page and it's going to basically prevent you from creating an account. Whereas Twitter, fairly easy. All you need to do is create a, uh, an email account on any given service or anything like that or have a burner phone or whatever. You could create accounts all you want. And they take advantage of this. 
But now you're seeing this Ai Chong Ching because Spicy Panda has been retweeting a lot of Ai Chong Ching stuff. Now, for those of you who don't know what Ai Chong Ching is, well, we have a little bit of a history with Ai Chong Ching here on ADV Podcasts and ADV Media in general. Ai Chong Ching is one of the government propaganda arms that hires the CCP shills. You know, these immoral Westerners that work as propaganda mouthpieces for the Chinese government. Ai Chongqing is instrumental in hiring a lot of them, and they actually started a lot of the, the shill activities by bringing them over to, you know, promote Chongqing, because that's what Ai Chongqing was supposed to be. It was supposed to be the tourism board um, of the Chongqing mega city, you know? So let me break it down for you very quickly. Specific regions and specific cities around China have, in fact, all of them have, but they have a propaganda department for that specific city. And that propaganda department's job is to make that city more attractive for investment, for travel, that kind of thing, right? So what they've been doing for many years, and I've, I've been invited on these as well for many, many years. I haven't actually ever gone on any of these things because I know what they're all about. But they invite influencers, especially foreign influencers, to go there and they take them on these kind of guided tours and they take them to all the tourist hotspots and the influencers, be they Instagrammers or YouTubers or you name it, what they do is they go and film the thing and they show how great it is and show how wonderful the area is. But on top of that, they always throw in political propaganda talking points. So it's not just about, hey, we're going to go and see this, this village. It's going to be something like, we're going to go and see this village where the government has lifted everybody out of poverty and built infrastructure. Oh, look at the high-speed rail. Look at this amazing cashless payment or whatever. There's always political propaganda built into these things. So Ai Chongqing uh, started out as a one of those things, right? Where they just bring in the foreigners to show how great Chongqing is in the surrounding areas. It is now elevated itself, probably because they started this whole shill thing, mind you, them and CRI, has kind of elevated itself into like a foreign shill handler and a, just a, a foreign propaganda mouthpiece for the Chinese government. That's why, if we go back here, you'll see that they're not talking about Chongqing. They're talking about Beijing Olympics, the media and the truth, right? Now, that's got nothing to do with Chongqing, okay? Neither do a lot of the articles that they put out these days. A lot of the articles they put out these days, they have these guys or other foreigners in them trying to debunk Western lies or whatever the case. So Ai Chongqing, everybody, is another one of those organizations we need to put high up on the list, along with CGTN and other state-run media organizations like CRI, China Radio International, and of course CCTV, and all that kind of crap. It's basically just a propaganda mouthpiece for the outside now. Okay, where they have English language content in order to try and spread the Chinese propaganda. So be careful. This is what Soft Power Hour is all about, is to educate all of you guys out there what to watch out for, for when it comes to things coming out of the Chinese government. So when you see Ai Chongqing, you can discount it as just being pure propaganda. So um, what's the point of all this? Well, it proves that the Spicy Panda account which should just be called Panda Bear, you know, as in a P-A-N-D-E-R. <laughs> Spicy Panda account is simply, again, the Chinese government arm of, well, it's propaganda. Why else would they be constantly tweeting out Ai Chongqing content? Well, it's pretty obvious. They're linked to Ai Chongqing, right? 
which is the government. Ai Chongqing is the government. There's no, it's not like a, anything other than just the government. Um, and it's there to whitewash any kind of criticism of the Olympics. And it's there to boost the narrative that nothing but an amazing event has happened now. You will not find a single bit of criticism at all. Every single post that you find on this is all about like how amazing everything in the Olympics has been. Even the like nuclear power station disgusting venue that they used for um, the the event. In, in here, they're like saying, oh, it just shows you how amazing it's it's renewable and it's clean energy that we're reusing this, all that kind of nonsense. So the reason it's important is that we can see the Chinese soft power machine in operation here. They create this Spicy Panda account, which is actually just connected directly to Ai Chongqing, but it's it's supposed to appear as if it's some kind of a, an independent account that's just putting out news and information about the Olympics, because I guess that's what people like to do in their spare time. It's then boosted artificially by thousands and thousands of fake Twitter accounts and fake social media accounts. All right, so this kind of stuff that they're putting out here, all this fluff about how great the Olympics is and how bad the West is, because look, it's not just promoting how amazing everything is. At the same time, they keep talking about how bad America is with Afghanistan and all these weird political cartoons about how the West and how the USA is bad. So it's it's very blatantly obvious what it is, right? It's not just, uh, hey, the Olympics are great. It's like, wow, China's great. Wow, look how bad the West is. That goes out there, that gets boosted. And you're just scrolling through Twitter or Instagram or whatever, and you start to see these things popping up and it might sway you. But you wouldn't be seeing this content if it wasn't artificially boosted by the Chinese government and its bot army and its 50 cent army. So yeah, as you can see there, that, those kind of political cartoons that they keep putting up there. Uh, kind of uh, transparent what they're trying to do here. Anyway, that's pretty much what I wanted to talk about that. The Chinese 50 Cent Army, the title of this, this uh, particular show, is their troll army is going into overdrive. Not just here, but on various different fronts. And I wanted to move into something that's a little bit more realistic, like a real-world um, 50 Cent Army, so to speak. And we're going to move into that now. Let me just find that little clip for you. You need to get out of here. This is just creeping me out. That's why it's called creepy milk. How about you just you just bugger off for a minute? Get out of here. Like all the way out of here. Yeah, I want to see even a little bit of you there. Okay. Uh, by the way, for those of you interested, what you're seeing in the background here um, is a COVID testing station in Beijing, where people line up to get tested for um, COVID. I don't know if you guys uh, agree with me, but as far as this is concerned, I feel like it's kind of um, a bad situation. If people are lining up to get tested um, to see whether or not they have COVID, surely they shouldn't be standing, you know, cheek to jowl and uh, breathing on each other. I mean, sure, they're wearing masks and stuff, but I think it kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? Standing in a, a crowded queue, for a very long time, right next to other people that potentially have COVID. Anyway, that's that's a story for another day. Uh, let me find our next segment. Now this, we're gonna go to Australia here for a second.
you know, Australia, because Australia is so awesome. Yeah, seriously, it is. Uh, I like Australia a lot. I'm going to play a little clip here, and we're going to talk about it. So let's get into it. Your um, camera has been on. Yeah, and I've just you been filming. You are ruining my liberty. No, I don't it, want I'm, to I'm show allowed my to film face. Here. I don't want to show my I just want to show that I'm not show my freedom. Yeah, it's I understand that. And, and I will blur out your face, right? But can you tell me a bit about why you think it's right to rip these down? I don't think I'm right. But you, you think you are right to tell the lies to the students, especially those teenagers? I don't think that they all are lies. I mean, I don't, I don't know that any of them are lies. Can you point to a specific one that is? And I think you have the time to figure out what's lying. What, what about and this I one here? This here, this the picture of the tanks. Tanks? Are you aware of what happened then? Do you know Australia had the... The, the massacre yeah. in Tiananmen Square? Do you know much about that? No, I don't know that by then. Because I just... I haven't been born. It happened yeah. just 14, 14 to 15 years ago, right? Yeah, I get that. But see, in, in I, some other do, countries, think, and in Australia, certainly. Why do you think about things happened decades ago? I just yeah, think about I now. That. I'm just thinking about, thinking about the future, the students, the teenagers. Why, what would your baby influenced by this book? I think the, the intent is to make them think twice about what's about happening what? About what? In, it, so in the Xinjiang province, in East Turkestan, I, there are I will show you Muslims. what Xinjiang is launching now, and I will show you what China is looking like. I just want to think, I, I, I think I appreciate your attitude about thinking, about thinking twice, but I'm, I think I have the right to tell you the truth. You, you always so, uh, told, told us that you are telling the truth, and I'm, I felt that, and I think that you are telling lies. I think that the truth is a difficult thing sometimes, so certainly I'd be happy to hear your perspective. Um, but as far as I'm aware, there are Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps in, in that province. On account of nothing else. Do you have jails in Australia? Do you have jails in Australia? Certainly we do. Okay, let's break that down a bit. This is actually quite a common occurrence. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Lenin walls, but this is something that sprung up uh, pretty much with the whole Hong Kong, uh, you know, democracy movement, the umbrella movement. And uh, this is a common occurrence. What happens is people put up a Lenin wall, which is a bunch of post-it notes, a bunch of posters talking about the struggles for democracy in Hong Kong. It's usually about the Hong Kong struggle. And they'll put up things like the CCP and the CCP, um, you know, CCP rule of Hong Kong, that kind of thing, and freedom of democracy. And what we often see, like I'll show you another quick clip in the background here. I'll keep myself in. We can see here's a mainland student destroying a Lenin wall uh, in the University of Hong Kong and throwing over the goddess of freedom and stuff. It's very common. And I've got a whole library of these clips. I didn't have time to put them all in here, but it's very common to see this happening in Canada and happening in Australia and anywhere where you've got a, um, I don't know, they'll have a, a free or Hong Kong democracy gathering or protest or anything. You will get mainland international students coming and destroying these uh, exhibitions, just tearing them down. Uh, and as you can see, just vandalizing them. And it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. And 
it's actually kind of easy to understand why it happens because in mainland China, you may not talk about these things. You may not criticize the government. You may not ever say a bad thing about the government. You're not allowed to talk about Tiananmen Square. You're not allowed to talk about the sensitive issues of Xinjiang and what have you. So when they see other people talking about these things, to them, it's like, this is forbidden. You may not talk about this. You have no right to talk about this. We don't have a right to talk about this. You don't have a right to talk about this. And they go crazy. And they attack people and they break things and destroy things and vandalize things. Um, and you can see the mentality. Somebody, an international student, goes to Australia and then uh, kind of like the 50 Cent Army, the Zigang Wu Mao, the volunteer 50 Cent Army, become a real life version of that. And instead of trying to censor things on the internet, they try to censor things in real life by tearing down pictures and posters and breaking down statues and what have you. Because... In their minds, it's impossible for anyone to ever criticize the Chinese government. It's not allowed, right? doesn't matter where you are, in what country, but you can't do it because their entire upbringing, they've been brought up to believe that you're not allowed to do that kind of thing. However, if you look at the things she was saying, first of all, she was laughing about the idea of Uyghur concentration camps, which is, of course, very insensitive to Uyghur people. She was um, tearing down people's property. You're not allowed to do that. You know, that's called vandalism. It's against the law in most, most places. And even more telling is when, by the way, the, the, the person who's talking, who filmed it is our good friend, Drew Pavlou uh, in Australia, by the way, vote for him if you're Australian. When he spoke about Tiananmen Square, what did she say? Oh, that happened so long ago. What? 40, 50 years ago. Imagine we all took that uh, attitude. Imagine somebody brings up the um, I don't know, the massacre of the Native Americans in Canada or something, and you're like, you know, the Inuit or whatever, and you say, oh, that happened so long ago, who cares about that? You're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to bring that up. Or apartheid, ah, that happened so long ago, you're not allowed to talk about that. You know, shut up, I'm not going to allow you to put up posters about that, you know, or not, not allowed to let you discuss that type of thing. You see, it's ridiculous, the, this, this attitude that happens. Um, and... We're going to get on to Wumao Corner, which, by the way, is part of this whole thing. It's kind of a segue because I've got a fantastic one for you. And it's going to show you exactly how the Chinese Communist Party has successfully managed to stop a lot of criticism when it comes to the Chinese government and its bad behavior, specifically around things like the, the destruction of democracy in Hong Kong and, of course, the Tiananmen Square massacre and any number of their sensitive issues. But before we do that, I'm going to have to answer a super chat or two. So let's get into it quickly. So um, Christoph Baran says, where can... Oh, by the way, thank you to uh, Mateusz Telewski. Telewski, thank you for joining us. Um, so Christoph says, where can I find a full list of my 2022 banned words? Uh, with a bit of software and AI engineering, I could create something interesting. I actually have a link to that list of banned words in my video. So if you go to my video, um, the, the one before last, you'll be able to see the, there's a, a link to the raw text file in the description. Uh, Logo app says, oh no, Chinese ox got to see milk. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why he had to have spinal uh, you know, surgeries because Chinese ox got a hold of him and, and roughed him up a bit too much. Episode 2, Return of Creep Milk. Yes, finally caught you live. Thanks for joining me today, guys, and joining us, I suppose. And I apologize for Sea Milk not being here yet again, but, you know, life seems to uh, 
um, throw these situations where I have to host the the channel solo. So seems to happen a lot. We'll see. We'll see in the future. Maybe it'll be Sea Milk's turn one day. We'll see how he fares. We'll have to make a a creepy serpent today. Mm. Let's move on. <clears throat> Looks like China won't be adding Taiwan and Hong Kong medals to supposedly come first in its own Olympics. Serves them right for pulling that trick. <laughs> Um, and that was by Jerry Huang. And Logo App says, Eileen seems like such a narcissist. Well, of course she is. She's a, uh, what, what did they say? That she's made $45 million out of this whole sponsorship stuff. She's a multi, multi-millionaire. She's studying at Stanford. She's rich. She's got connected parents. You know, she's a, a world-class Olympic athlete. Of course she's going to be narcissistic. Um, and there's nothing wrong with being rich and connected and being a good athlete. In fact, those, that's something everybody should strive towards. But what's wrong is the, the moral aspect of what she's doing. Because she very well knows what she's doing. She's an adult. She's very well-traveled. And this whole excuse of that, oh, she's just a young, a young teenager who doesn't understand what she's doing is a bunch of bollocks. Of course she knows what she's doing. She speaks Chinese fluently. She speaks English fluently. She has multiple um, citizenships and passports. And like I said, anyone who's traveled as much as she has, anyone who's, you know, as rich as she has and as connected as she has, she knows what's going on. She's not a fool. She's not like not a dumb, you know, like hick from a, a redneck area who's never seen anything other than their own little town. So just remember that next time you make that comparison. Okay, George, the Mandalore says, finally got to catch you live. Greetings from Moldovan living in North. Greetings from a Moldovan living in Norway, and thanks for all the amazing and dangerous work. Love, the, the, love China, hate the CCP, and thank you very much for that. All right, guys, we're going to move on to Wu Mao Corner. Now, Wu Mao Corner is directly related to that clip that you just saw of the Australian in international student tearing down the Lenin Wall um, in Australia. And I've got to say, I'm incredibly disappointed at how these incidents have been handled in the past. No one ever seems to be taken to task. Usually surrounding universities, look what happened to Drew Pavlou. He was attacked for, he was attacked and his group of little, uh, you know, activists, you could call them, were just there um, doing a, you know, a protest against Beijing. And guess what? They got attacked physically. And this happens. These ultra-nationalist so-called international students are in fact, and not all of them, of course, but the, uh, the ultra-nationalist ones are really just enforcers for Chinese censorship. They are agents of the Chinese government. The actual international students who are there to learn and study and to respect the host country, they're great. They're wonderful. Probably some of the best people you'll meet, some of the best students. But they're never very outspoken about politics simply because they know the trouble it can get them into. But these Chinese Students and Scholars Associations, Confucius Institutes, uh, Chinese Culture Association, Chinese this and that, they all get involved on campus and all those crazy ultra-nationalists that go there and tear down the Lenin walls and go and boycott and try to stop um, speeches by the Dalai Lama or by anyone who wants to put on a, a Taiwan food stall or whatever, those guys and those girls are really just agents of the Chinese Communist Party. And I hate the fact that they don't get taken to task. And I understand it because a lot of these universities rely on international students as a big revenue stream. So they don't want to piss the Chinese international student bodies off too much because they don't want to lose that revenue. But at the same time, they're more than happy to just destroy all semblance of freedom of speech and expression on campus when it comes to Chinese issues or China issues, I should say, you know, like uh, the CCP issues. Um, but 
everything else is fair game. You can have a Black Lives Matter wall. You can have a uh, any kind of wall you want. You can have a hate hate Biden wall, a hate Trump wall, or a hate this wall, or a you know Canadians are terrible because of X Y Z wall, or whatever you want. But when it comes to China, a China thing, nope, not allowed. Anyway, so let's get back to this. This I found quite funny and interesting at the same time. Let me just bring it up for you here in the background. Um, here. Let's start this up. So, forgive me for reading out a Twitter thread. I know it's not the most um, professional thing to do, but we're going to do it anyway. I wrote and I shared this whole thing because uh, Drew Pavlou uh, over there, he actually tweeted out this video that he took, of course, of this person ripping down the, the Lenin wall. So I said, it's the truth that hurts Chinese feelings the most. That's what happens if you grow up being fed lies by the CCP. And it is true. You know, Chinese people are incredibly resilient. I've seen that myself. They have a almost uncanny ability to chirku, as they say, which means to eat bitter, in other words, to suffer. And throughout Chinese history, the people of China have had to endure some of the worst dictators and emperors and, you know, you name it, and some of the worst conditions just having to survive. Um, if you know about Chinese history, you'll know that this is all, all true, that the Chinese people are incredibly resilient. And all the Chinese friends that I've made throughout the years are incredibly resilient. But one thing that seems to always trigger a knee-jerk response um, is when there's any kind of criticism of the CCP. But I'm not talking about unfounded criticism. I'm not, not talking about somebody just saying like, oh, CCP is dumb, they suck. It's like when people just want to talk about the Tiananmen Square massacre, for instance, or the occupation of Tibet, and even just talk about it, not even say it's wrong, just start to talk about these issues, or talk about the, the Uyghur situation, or the uh, Hong Kong democracy protests, or anything that's sensitive. You get a knee-jerk reaction, especially because of the nationalist education. The Chinese government has put so much time, effort, and resource into making sure that what they have done in the past is correct, even when it's not correct, that you get this knee-jerk nationalist response. And so the truth surrounding these particular events hurts the feelings of the Chinese people the most. Because you know what? The truth hurts. And the truth cuts like a knife. We all know that. We all know that. So I put this out. And here's the important part is the response that I got from a specific person who seems reasonable, by the way, um, and I was taking them as a reasonable person in the beginning, but they say, sometimes it feels like a lot of generalizations about Asians living abroad stem from the high amount of negative coverage about China and its government. It's sad that people still can't separate the two. It's even sadder when Asians feel they need to defend China. See what they're doing here. It's very clever. It's a little trick. What... Does this post, by the way, about a Lenin wall talking about Tiananmen Square and Hong Kong, by the way, which also, you know, Hong Kongers are Asians, by the way, and Hong Kong democracy and freedom is being torn down by a mainland Chinese student, right? How does this suddenly become Asians, right? How and what Asians are defending China as well? That's another thing that's ridiculous. Like when Asians feel they need to defend China. 
No Asian is defending China. There's not a Japanese person up there going like, Tiananmen Square didn't happen. You can't show this. You can't talk about Hong Kong democracy. There's not a Filipino up there doing that. There's not a Hong Konger or a Taiwanese person who are ethnically Chinese <laughs> up there doing that, right? What Asians is this person talking about? There are no Asians defending this. That is not an Asian, Asian, random Asian person. That is a Chinese, a mainland Chinese student tearing this down. So they're trying to muddy the waters. So I simply replied by saying, it's not Asians, it's mainland Chinese freaking out since they're not used to freedom of expression. They can't accept that anyone might, or I mean, meant to say that anyone can criticize the CCP since it's not allowed in China. So they resort to petty vandalism and property destruction. Okay? To which he replies, I get that's the video, but there's a lot Asian discrimination going on all over the place. Just making a general statement. Okay? See, again, sounding fairly reasonable, but at the same time, it's not reasonable if you think about the fact that they've changed the narrative of the initial post, which is the, the end goal. I said, sure, but when it comes to getting angry, destructive and violent, when people put up Lenin walls regarding democracy and denouncing the CCP's brutal actions, it's not Asians, it's only mainland Chinese nationalists. And do you see, I make the distinction between mainland Chinese people and mainland Chinese nationalists, because there are plenty of reasonable mainland Chinese people who would not go tear down that wall, you know? To the reply. Realistically, at this point, any nationalist can be destructive, not limited to China. I understand that this is the main concern for you. With that said, a lot of people abroad see nationalist Chinese and other Asians as the same thing. The stigma covers all Asians. All right. See where this is going? So I reply. No. These are issues directly related to China and the CCP only. And don't concern other Asians. Please show me an example of anyone other than a mainland Chinese nationalist tearing down a pro-democracy Hong Kong Lenin wall. Muddying of the water is what you are doing. To which they said, all right, that's that then, muddy waters. To which I replied, and get there. It's what the CCP wants, to use people like you to deflect criticism away from the CCP issues by trying to make it a race thing. Pathetic that people fall for it. So this person then went on to, you know, Let's, I'll, I'll finish this and then I'll, I'll tell you what happened after. So he says, all right, because you're ranting about whatever, getting your views and likes is helping whom, that's all right. It's you. Keep that cash flow rolling in no matter where in. Is it California that you're in? Question mark. So true colors exposed. This is a Wumao. First of all, um, coming into the whole thing, I'm just trying to make views. I'm just trying to make money out of smearing China or, or saying bad things about China. And then... I don't know if this is a, an attempt to dox my location. Am I in California? Well, sorry, no. Pennsylvania is the correct answer to that. Although I am sometimes in California when I fly down there or we, we go back and forth occasionally, so who knows? So, of course, my last comment there is proof you're just a woman. I'll use this thread in our podcast to show your methods of deflection, race baiting, and hatred. 
to which I got some nasty, insulting replies, and then the person deleted all of their tweets when they realized that uh, I was going to show them. Too bad, I already recorded it, sorry. Too late, you can't just do that kind of shit and then delete your tweets. Sorry, mate. But do you see what this is all about? A very succinct topic. A Lenin wall being torn down by a mainland Chinese nationalist, and all of a sudden you get this deflection on behalf of the Chinese government, whether this person is a Chinese Wu Mao or a volunteer Wu Mao or a tanky or some kind of foreigner who's been taken in by the propaganda, either way, it all works very well because look what it, what it devolved, in, uh, devolved into, race baiting. Oh, I can't criticize this person for tearing down this Lenin wall because it uh, reflects badly on all Asians and all Asians are under attack and blah, blah, blah. You're just racist, basically, is the end of this conversation that they're going for. And you see how effective this could be. If they tried this on a, just a casual person commenting on this, the average person might back off because they are afraid of the racist label or being afraid of the, the woke mob coming after them. Well, guess what? Piss off. I don't give a shit. I know Asian people. And I know when I'm talking about mainland Chinese nationalists, destroying other Asian people's Lenin walls, by the way, because it was put up by Hong Kong students. It's not put up by white people or black people. It's put up by other Asians. I know the difference between mainland Chinese people and Koreans and Japanese and Taiwanese and Hong Kongese and Singaporeans and Indians and you name it. Give me a, an Asian nationality and I'll be able to tell you a lot about their history, their culture, and I can tell you the differences between them and mainland Chinese people. And the difference is that mainland Chinese people have glass hearts, the nationalists, not all of them, but it's due to their education. They have glass hearts which shatter whenever the truth is spoken and they resort to violence and they tear down these walls, these Lenin walls, and they attack any criticism of the CCP. That is the difference. So, Wu Mao... Thank you for showing the rest of the world how the CCP operates and how it silences any kind of discussion around these issues by throwing out the race card. We talked about it last week when Bad Yutzau, the Chinese artist, had his posters removed because of a similar thing where the dean of the university was contacted and told that the posters were racist and immediately he started an investigation and got the posters taken down because he was so afraid of the whole racist thing. And the sooner we realize that being anti-CCP is being anti-Asian hate, the better it's going to be because it's the CCP that hate Asians the most. The Chinese Communist Party is actually responsible for more Asian deaths than anyone else. Great leap forward, greatly backwards, cultural devolution, tens of millions of people starved to death, We've had them attacking Vietnam. We've had all sorts of nonsense going on in the past. When it comes to being Asian, Taiwanese constantly under threat by the CCP, threat of a military attack. When it comes to Hong Kong, their entire democracy has been destroyed and the promises of having autonomy for 50 years shattered by the Communist Party of China. You know who hates Asians? The CCP. That's who. And yet they've managed to turn these well-meaning, useful idiots, or their paid trolls, or whatever it is, into this machine that's managed to twist the narrative on its head and say that any criticism of the Communist Party of China is racist because suddenly Asians. Bullshit. Don't buy it. 
Don't stay silent when you see a comment like that. And uh, now you know. That's Walmart Corner. <laughs> so, guys, we've got Worldview coming up still. Or, in fact, no, we don't. We've still got a little bit more. Sorry, my mistake. Um, I wanted to give you a little bit of a background here because I have a personal history with the Umbrella Revolution. Uh, in 2014, I was there taking footage in Hong Kong. All right, now... I didn't take as much footage as I would have liked to. I actually, there's me uh, in 2014 at the barricades and so on. You have to understand that at the time, there's a Lenin wall for you, by the way. Let's go back to that because some of you might still not understand what a Lenin wall is. That's, uh, 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 oh, sorry, it was back a little bit. Sorry, let me, I'll pause it at the right place. Um, that, that is a Lenin wall. And you may have seen these pop up at universities around the world, etc. But this is when, you know, people can write down little thoughts about like, stay strong, be free, you know, like democracy is, you know, we need freedom, we need democracy, that kind of crap. Um, and they stick them all on a, a wall like this. And, you know, you'll also get art put up there and you'll get posters and various other things uh, related to democracy and freedom. And these Lenin walls are the arch enemy of Chinese ultranationalists, the arch enemy of Chinese international students who are working to censor on behalf of the CCP. You ever want to draw them out? Start a Lenin wall. Because you know what? Freedom of speech is enshrined in the constitution of many countries, even South Africa, where I'm from. As long as you don't criticize the communist, uh, you know, overlords, the ANC. But you can still do it. You probably get sued by uh, Jacob Zuma or something like he did to that um, political cartoonist when he drew, drew a picture of him with a shower on his head. He actually got sued for defamation by the president. It was kind of funny. But anyway, <clears throat> this is a Lenin wall. So having been there and been, been a part of this movement initially in 2014, I was silent about it at the time since I was still living in mainland China. And I could not film as much as I wanted to because I was paranoid and afraid. Some photo, photos I took here. I was paranoid and afraid that going back into mainland China over the border, because I was only there for a, uh, a day or two. And then, you know, I've got all these files on my camera. And if I go in and they find and they search my camera, because they do that sometimes, they'll pull you aside, especially when there's sensitive events going on. I could have gotten into serious trouble. And at that time, my entire life was still in mainland China. I still, I was just about to film um, Conquering Southern China, my documentary, which we filmed in 2015. You know, I had a lot of plans and I couldn't jeopardize them all. So I didn't film as much as I had hoped I could film. But I was actually there as a part of the Umbrella Movement and I saw it in action and I saw it was a, it was a beautiful thing. And so when I see the same spirit of the Hong Kong international students abroad trying to do the same thing that they did back then, which is to... Um, show democracy and, and um, show exactly how important it is to them and just how important this whole movement is to them and how they're losing their freedoms is such a devastating thing. Um, it, it hurts, you know, it hurts to see. Now, myself and Seamilk went to um, uh, one of these Hong Kong gatherings in California in 2019. And even there we saw communist spies, as we like to call them, you know, taking photos of everyone. You could tell who it was trying to uh, find out the identity of the people there. And we spoke to them and I gave a speech to the crowd and everything like that. So it's a very near and dear um, and personal topic for me. 
And when I see them being them, the, the nationalists tearing down those Lenin walls, it really pisses me off. And then to be try to be called racist or that I'm painting Asians with a bad brush or we're painting Asians with a bad brush because Asian Asians, as in mainland Chinese, tearing down Hong Kong Asian people's work, it's just, it makes me mad because it's so stupid and it's such a underhanded, petty mechanism to try and deflect any sort of criticism away from the CCP and the Chinese Communist Party. Um, it makes me crazy. So, yeah, I'm sorry if I went on about this a little too long, but I just wanted to get that point across to you that this is what's going on and this is the conversation, how it starts and how it uh, happens on the internet. So, I guess it's time for me to answer some super chats. I'm just going to let that run in the background and then we'll move on to our final section, world news. So, okay, we've got a, a message retracted <laughs> and then Philip says, hey guys, I recently heard about Chabador culture and how it's prevalent in China, especially in construction. Any insights into the origins of this? We've talked about that quite a bit, uh, in, especially on ADV China. If you look at our videos about uh, Chinese buildings falling down and so on, we've got a couple of big ones in there. I suggest you look at it. But Chabador just means like, you know, it's good enough. And it does. It's, it's a big part of Chinese culture. And I guess it stems from the whole fact that, uh, you know, during the communist uh, reign and even before that, the, the way the emperors kind of reigned, the way it uh, led the country, um, it's good enough to just get something done. Personal pride in your work is not really a thing because nothing really belongs to you. You know, when it comes to a building, for instance, you never own the building. You just own your little apartment, but the actual land is not yours and the outside of the building is not yours. And so there's no incentive to put effort into maintaining and looking after something or making it look nice because at the end of the day, it doesn't doesn't do anything for you. All you end up doing is uh, wasting your time and energy and, you know, someone else destroys it or it, you just benefit someone else. So Chabador kind of stems from those roots. Um Kathleen Morrison says, Winston, you and Creepy Milk are doing a great job today. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Actually, I'll bring him back in. I was a bit harsh to old Creepy Milk. There he is. Wow, you lost weight. Okay. <laughs> He's back. He's back. All right. Next one. <clears throat> Black Halo 6, bet on Seamilk being on chat while taking mad dump. <laughs> I have no idea. He can't really sit down, so I actually don't know how he's dealing with that, to be honest. Because um, he's either standing up or lying down with that uh, recovery he's got going on or almost done with. So I don't know how that works. Maybe someone who works in the medical field can explain. New News Network says, long time no live show. Please accept my hum humble contribution. All the best from Vienna. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us live. <laughs> David Brooks, Winston, if you could turn back time, would you still go to China or keep that lovely Japanese satin? All those wonderful Japanese imports, man. <laughs> I actually got my Japanese Im uh, imported satin in China. But if I could turn back time, um, you, you have, I think all of us have this uh, battle with ourselves. You think, you know, if I could go back and just tell myself not to be stupid and not to do that one thing, 
you know, then my life would be better. But you never know that, right? Because we are the sum of our experiences. And if I hadn't gone to China, I wouldn't be who I am today. So it's hard to tell. But one thing that I do kind of regret is not going to Taiwan instead of China. Um, you know, I missed out on a lot as far as Chinese culture is concerned. And, you know, the, the things that I was actually interested in when it comes to Asia and Asian culture. Uh, some goblin loser, IDK, says, Bing Chiling, great, we live in the fear. We'll live in the fear. <laughs> All right. We're going to have plenty of time during Yum Cha to go through these kind of things, guys. So I'm just going to do two more quickly. Seamil <laughs> can't sit. Tong Jokes, lol, woot. Okay, cool. That's from Lightseeker. Black Hello 6 says, Oh shit, now I feel bad. I hope it heals up super fast, Matt. And the host of that show is The Hammer because he hit the nail on the head hard. Okay. A final one from Dafford Brooks. Seamilk, that level in Tomb Raider 1, Palace of Midas, is evil with the fire pillars and not knowing you're meant to turn the slabs into gold. Well, I appreciate your comment, but I got to correct you on your your and your usage. Um, your meant to turn the slabs into gold is incorrect. You should say your meant to turn the slabs. In. Sorry, pet peeve of mine. I know. Just look it up. There's a big difference. For instance, you can't say you're an idiot. You have to say you're an idiot. Um, or you can say your grammar isn't great. You can't say your grammar isn't great. Make sense? And I'm not talking about an old person. I'm talking about the right. Anyway, no, I'm just joking. Of course, absolutely love you. Thank you so much for your um, contribution. Let's move on to worldview, shall we? Okay, a worldview where we talk about, and in this case, more like I talk about the um, things that are happening in the world with regard to China. And I've got an interesting one for you here. Um, let me just bring it up. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to quickly show you a picture that I took during the 2014 um, uh, umbrella movement, which was on that on a big road that had been shut down. And I just really, uh, I really like this picture just because of the message. And for those of you who can't see it, it says, it's written in chalk. It says, I love Hong Kong. Hong Kong is not dying because of you <clears throat> are here. So in other words, because of you, Hong Kong still has a chance. And uh, that just really was a, to me, was a very important message. Let us take a look, everybody, at our international news. Now, this one is very, it hits very close to home. And it's about Huawei. Now, um, Huawei is actually very popular in South Africa, where I'm from, okay? And it makes sense. South Africa is a third world developing country. It has a very large um, low income population. It's got a huge amount of unemployed people. I can't remember what the last statistics were, but it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's, I don't know, it's something like 50% thereabouts. Correct me if I'm wrong. Might be more than that even. Let me just find this uh, article because I have an article here about it. Um, it. Shows you my preparedness is not great for this this one, I'm afraid. I'll bring it up in a second. Okay, here we go. Uh, okay, currently 35% of South Africa's un uh, workforce is unemployed. Okay. That's uh, less than I thought. 35%, that's not that much, right? If you think about it. Actually, it is a lot. And that's South Africa for you. And it's an awful situation for everybody involved. Because in order to combat this, 
the uh, South African government has put into place a lot of um, uh, affirmative action, black economic empowerment, and that sort of thing, which makes sense to make up for imbalances in the past. But it's one of the reasons I'm not there anymore, because the white people in South Africa make up a very small minority of, I don't even know, it's like 10% thereabouts, plus minus. And so you're a minority, and you're still at the receiving end of these policies. So if I go to apply for a job, for instance, and somebody who's not white applies for the same job, uh, I'm out of luck. And considering that the majority of the population are not white, that means that I'm completely out of luck. So one of the reasons I left South Africa is because you either, at least if you're of my demographic, you either have to be a serious entrepreneur and start your own business, um, or that's it, really. It's like actual jobs to get are very few and far between. But now, uh, this also applies to foreign companies that come in there. The reason I'm going on about this, okay? So, um, <clears throat> the regulations in South Africa, right? If you're a foreign company, you have to hire, I believe, at least a 40% local workforce. And this is part of these, um, these policies, right? However, it's now been found out that Huawei hires 90% of foreign nationals. In other words, 90% of their workforce are Chinese, Chinese, right? And this is something that Africa needs to learn about China, is that Chinese companies will come in there and they will promise to build infrastructure. They'll promise to help the economy and create jobs is one of the big things. We're going to come in and we're going to create jobs. The problem is that's not true. Because when these big Chinese companies come in, construction companies, they're building roads or whatever, they end up bringing in labor from China. Because don't forget, China has a massive job shortage problem too. There are a lot of unemployed people in China. There are a lot of people below the poverty line. So, of course, China wants to help out the Chinese economy. They don't want to help out foreign economies. So what they do is they bring in cheap labor, migrant laborers from China who end up being cheaper for them to bring in and work in the African countries, etc., than hiring locals. It actually does work out cheaper. Um, and that's because Chinese labor, especially of the, the more rural people, is, is really cheap. I mean, I live there, I know, and that's why we get all our stuff manufactured there, right? Because of cheap labor. Cheap skilled labor. But when you're talking about unskilled labor, it's even cheaper in China. Anyway, we're not going to get into that. The, the fact of the matter is that big Chinese companies, when they do set up in Africa... They end up completely skirting all the laws and, well, I think they may have taken on the wrong kind of situation because in South Africa, this work quota, this job quota thing is taken very seriously. It's not like most other places, I don't think. So anyway, <clears throat> I'm just going to read you verbatim from this article, if you don't mind, so that we can just get through this and you can understand. Okay, it says, <clears throat> the South African Department of Labor, maybe I should have a South African accent for this. The South African Department of Labor, no, I'm not going to do that, <clears throat> is suing the local unit of Chinese tech giant Huawei for hiring too many foreign workers. As the nation faces its highest levels of unemployment since the end of apartheid. Hmm. Authorities allege that Huawei's SA workforce is 90% foreign, which far exceeds the nation's regulations that require foreign companies to employ at least 40% local workers, per Bloomberg. All five of Huawei's most senior executives are foreign nationals, as are 27 out of 71 of its top managers, 
<clears throat> right. So, the move has increased scrutiny over the employment practices of Chinese firms in Africa, which previously has been under fire for favoring Chinese workers over local employees. We intend to go <clears throat> to other foreign-owned companies in the country so that it does not look like we are targeting one company, Fix Bede, a chief director in the Labor Department said. His name's Fix, by the way, like F-I-X, Fix. And that's quite common with African um, English names. So they can be quite literal. Um, just a bit of a sidetrack here. I grew up with a lot of uh, African people. And I remember uh, the one guy's name was Message. The other guy's name was Gift. One guy's name was Manual, like as in an instruction manual. We've talked about some of these, but it's uh, precious. Dude, I got beat up. I got beat up in school by a black girl called Precious. And I'm not even kidding. She knocked me out solid. She's the most vicious, toughest person I've ever met in my life. She beat up the high school bully on the bus. Like, also, completely. So, you know, just stay away from Precious is what I'm saying. She ain't that Precious. Um, anyway, so, <clears throat> let's see. But is scrutiny of Chinese... Firms justified? Question mark. You see, here it comes. <clears throat> a recent study from the School of Oriental and African Studies reports that negative stories about Chinese companies are mostly untrue. Broadly speaking, it shows that Chinese firms employ just as many local workers as non-Chinese companies and have similar pay and training standards. This is not true, by the way. The number of Chinese workers in Africa has also been on a downward trend since its peak in 2015, with a substantial 43% drop between 2019 and 2020 largely due to the pandemic. <laughs> well, I mean, that doesn't make things okay. So they only, they dropped 43% because of the pandemic. Okay, so that means before that, obviously all of these things were true and it still is true and it will continue to be true when the pandemic stuff calms down. Huawei is also under investigation by tax authorities in India after the government banned 40, 54 mobile apps, mainly Chinese over security concerns. Okay, so that's the, the be all and the end all. But the fact of the matter is that um, Huawei, this big company, has made a mistake by thinking that it can simply just hire 90% foreign workers. And I read in another article about this that uh, they, the, the higher-ups in Huawei said, no, that's okay, we were given permission to do this. But then when the relative authorities, relative authorities were questioned, they were like, no, they were not given permission to do this. And that's kind of how things operate in China with businesses is, People just do this Chabador thing where they do what they want to do. I mean, everybody who's done business in China knows that this is how it works. You just do it. You don't ask permission. You start a business. Only when you get big enough and you start to get questioned about things, that's when you start to fix these issues. And that's when you start to follow regulations. So Huawei is no different. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye on this story because I, I want to know if they actually end up having to make changes or if they're just going to bribe their way out of it. But we'll find out. Anyway, that's Huawei in Africa for you. And that is the end of Worldview. So it's time to move on to Yamcha. So Yamcha is when we get to relax. Finally, I get to relax and just chat with you today. Creepy Milk's here, but I mean, it's not like he's going to say much really other than stare at me over my shoulder here like a creep. But uh, yeah, it's relaxing time. We're going to talk, have a chat. And for those of you who don't know how this works, Yamcha, you can watch it live. You also get to watch it over the weekend, but on Monday we cut it out, put it on our Patreon. So you can still watch it. It's not behind a paywall, but if you do miss it over the weekend and live, you can always go back and uh, watch it on the Patreon. So guys, um, for those of you who are not going to stick around for Yamcha, or for those of you who have just uh, tuned in after the weekend, we'll catch you in the next one and stay awesome.
Okay, right, we're good. <clears throat> Yum chat time. Let me bring up the uh, super chats here. Man, oh man. So, let's continue. Carl Larson says, This week, Chinese IT company New Tech, blacklisted in the US, won the contract to provide software for the security screening at Stockholm Airport, despite concerns raised about backdoors once they're in. Yeah, you see, this is, this is an unfortunate situation. I don't know how, how people cannot understand or how, how it's possible to make it clear that there are security concerns and that the CCP always has an alternate agenda when it comes to providing um, you know, any kind of service around the world. And the issue with this is that usually the Western world trusts the word of the Chinese government when they say that, for instance, companies in the government aren't 100% linked, which is not true because all Chinese companies must answer to the CCP. So let's just hope that doesn't go terribly wrong. Uh, sorry, let me move my mouse so I don't have to reach over all the time here. Okay, David Brooks. What's the best non-Chinese movie you've shown your wives? What's the movie they were most surprised at? Have you got them to play video games yet? Mm, video games is tough. Although things like um, those rhythm games and stuff, you know, like you can get on Switch, like dance, some dancing thing, those, those kind of things, those go down very well. And my wife's actually very good at Beat Saber, you know, on the VR. Super, she, she's really good at that one. When it comes to movies, man, it's tough. I've tried all my childhood fa favorites like uh, The Princess Bride and Goonies and stuff, but I realize that it's there's nothing really for the majority of uh, Chinese people to connect with when it comes to that, since it's such a different culture that um, for them, they'd rather watch something new like Avengers or Transformers or something. And I'm, I'm not trying to be facetious or weird here, but I, I really do think it's about culture and upbringing. It's like... It's kind of weird. And I suppose it's the same. If you watch Chinese movies, I've watched a couple of Chinese movies and, you know, you get it, but the, all the references and the settings and everything, it's got nothing to do with your upbringing. So it's tough to really connect with it, if that makes sense. All right. Slevo316 says, oh, just give me a second. I want to send, uh, I want to send Seamilk a little message here. Give me a second. Okay, getting back to it. <clears throat> Since most of the snow is artificial, how clean was the water that they used to make the snow? Uh, look, that's tough to say. That is our country. But basically, you know, 90% um, of the water in and around the cities of China is contaminated. And we, we talked about it. What is it? 80% in the rural areas is contaminated. So I don't suppose the water was really good. Not that it matters since I don't think people are drinking it. Arnie A. Long-time viewer and first time using Super Chat. Keep up the good work, guys. Wish you a quick recovery, Lao86. Greetings from Estonia. Excellent. Well, thank you. And greetings from over here in Pennsylvania, the United States, to you. And thank you very much for watching our show. Uh, Jonathan Cabana says, Hey, guys. Here's some beer money. Winston, I want to teach abroad. I know you mentioned TEFL. How is it in your experience? And was it adequate in giving you a great teaching football great <laughs> i didn't do a tefl but definitely definitely you see what happened was i didn't go to china to teach english i went there under the false assumption that i'd be able to get a job in it um, and simply because that was my background i'd gone there on business and the whole business trip was about security cameras and servers and that kind of thing so i thought that i'd be able to go there and get some kind of it job 
Um, I found out very quickly that that's not possible, especially the kind of stuff I used to do, like network administration and um, you know uh, technical support and so on, is unnecessary in China because they don't use servers. Even big companies use like a Soho setup, right? Um, and so there's there are no servers. There's no Exchange server to set up, and there's no no big firewalls or anything inside a company. And when it comes to technical support, there's you know the majority of Chinese people are very computer literate. Um, even the boomers, because that's you know computers are a new thing in China. It's like much newer than over here. Like when I don't know how to explain it, but everybody got on board. Everybody learned, and. Even if they're not computer literate, you'll get a guy down in the little village will come and do it for five RMB and fix all your problems for you. So you don't need to hire somebody and pay money. So long story short, I realized I couldn't continue my IT career in China. And so what I ended up doing was um, kind of being homeless for a while, to be honest. And I got thrown into this kind of illegal kindergarten teaching job out in Longhua, which is out, out of the main Shenzhen city. And I was sleeping on the couch of an agent who used to do this. He used to get like these little jobs here and there at all these kindergartens and things uh, for foreigners. And he had a bunch of shady foreigners on retainer and he would look after them and stuff. And it was only after, I'd say, a year and a half of uh, doing these kind of shady jobs that I met uh, a good friend of mine, Dave. And this was after I started working for the rapist. And my friend Dave had just come off his TESOL. He did the proper sort of TEFL um, thing in Zhuhai. They had like a an actual training hall there and they, they did TEFL. And it was kind of an interesting business because what they do is they bring in uh, prospective teachers from overseas and teach them the TEFL uh, certification. But they turned it into a business where they would actually um, have this kind of school. And uh, they were training these TEFL teachers by giving them real world experience, but then they were charging the students to come and learn English. So it was like a double money-making scheme. It's very, they're very typical of a true Chinese business kind of uh, venture there. I'll tell you that much. Anyway, he uh, gave me all of his old TEFL material, uh, which I flipped through. And you know what? I wish I'd done a TEFL before doing any kind of ESL because things that I'd had to learn the hard way were explained very clearly in the TEFL material. So, yeah, uh, definitely do it. If you're planning to do ESL, do a TEFL. Um, it'll help you a lot. And for those of you who don't know what TEFL is, it means teaching English as a foreign language. It's like a course you do before you go to teach English. And I do suggest you do it if you're planning to take, the, take that career. Um, I, yeah, anyway, let's move on. Dreyfus Brooks, do you think the Shulls also have different disagreements with each other. Virus Jansen seems like he wants the world to work together, whereas Reportify Media wants Canada, UK, and the USA to burn in hell. Of course they have disagreements, you know, but at the same time, they're kind of um, a little cabal, you know, they're uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend type thing. So they kind of stick together, even though they don't agree on a lot of things. Um, but yeah, this whole idea of let's work together, it's only like let's work together as long as we only follow what China says and the USA is bad. It's a it's a bad it's a bad take. Um, Drogon Max, thank you. Dion Chapman, please hire and someone to take out creepy milk or just get a beer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully this is the last time creepy milk's gonna have to appear forever. It really is creepy. Um <laughs> Uh, Cairo says, you've ruined the phrase living in fear for me. Every time I hear it, I can't help but snicker no matter how inappropriate. I agree. We'll live in the fear. You know, we're, we're going to have to have some kind of a, 
a special episode where we just go through those funny, hilarious clips and some of the raps and things like that. You know, just a chilled out episode. We don't always have to be serious, but uh, we'll find an occasion to do it here on uh, ADV Podcasts. I think we'll all go through the, the lore and all the funny stuff. Thank you, Dragon uh, Drogon Max. There's a uh, Christoph Gregoris Christensen or something. Says Russia and China, same type of autocratic regime. Looks very grim here. Invasion probably after closing Olympic ceremony. Friendly gesture to China. Yeah, you know, I can't really comment on that whole Ukraine situation. I've been keeping up with it um, on the periphery, but I, I have not been focused on it. So I, I can't really comment on that, I'm afraid. But yeah, let's hope nothing bad goes on. Nobody wants, nobody wants anything bad to happen. Uh, Joseph Duff Kulisics. Yeah. What do you think the future of China-Russian relations? Periodically, China's diplomats say something provocative and suggest claims against territory north of the Amur and Vladivostok. Yes, look, there's a lot of history between, well, specifically the Soviet Union and China. And they're not friends, all right? And they actually went to war uh, for about seven months, unofficially, in 1969, I believe it was. I, I did that in my recent video. And if you learn the history behind it, there's a lot of animosity. They don't trust each other. So if they're going to pretend to be friends for a while, it's only going to be for a short while. Don't forget Mao Zedong built an entire underground city because he was afraid of the Soviet Union nuking Beijing. So, yeah. And there's a pretty interesting, if you read the history of that conflict they had, it revolves around a tank that the Chinese managed to seize from the Soviet Union uh, on that little island um, that they were, the Jimbao Island that they were fighting over. And the Soviets just, tried their best to blow up this tank, bombard it, and the PLA were told that whatever happens and however many people they lose, they have to, you know, guard that tank because it had um, advanced technology for the time, like night vision and things like that, which the um, the PLA sorely lacked. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting story, and it's an interesting piece of history if you want to go learn about it. Um uh, Daffod Brooks says, I'm sorry for bringing this up. No, you guys aren't into drama, but the comments on Reportified Media's videos where people say he's wrong and a liar are hilarious. But sad that he replies to each of them. Yeah, you know, the guy you're talking about is is a complete... Um, he's completely disillusioned. He works for Ai Chongqing, which, uh, by the way, is, we talked about Ai Chongqing earlier. And if, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's, uh, it's a Canadian guy who went to China to um, do all this propaganda stuff for, for Ai Chongqing and it's if you watch his shows it's hilarious it's always about him going to foreign stores like he goes to Sam's Club and says look how look how the shelves are so stocked here in China it's amazing and then he'll show footage from like a, one of those grainy panic videos where somewhere in some far-flung little town the shelves are empty or something like look in comparison to the USA and then you'll go to Ikea and say, look how amazing it is to shop in China. Meanwhile, Ikea is not a Chinese brand, neither is Sam's Club. And then he goes to show how to buy an Apple phone. It's just, if you watch this stuff, it's just like, what are you doing, dude? You're trying to do propaganda for China, but all you're doing is propaganda for how well foreign brands have infiltrated China. <laughs> you know, anyway, enough about that guy. He's not worth talking about. Mike Brown says, Michigan's upper, M-I-U-P, Michigan's Upper Peninsula. I can confirm. Beautiful country, especially the Keweenaw Peninsula on Lake Superior, which incidentally is home of the Cornish pasties in the U.S. Oh, well, I'm definitely going now. Thank you for that. 
definitely. I'm going to, as soon as some of the snow dies down, I'll hop in a car and go up there. Thank you for that. Chairman Meow says, tell Seamilk I said Meow. Hey, you in there? Chairman Meow says Meow. Um, <laughs> Anthony Saint says, hey guys, they are living the fear. We'll live in the fear. Uh, I can't get over that clip. I love the, the, the serious expression on his face. Especially his fulfill MP7. Um, Lao86 says, that feeling when the population of Australia is double Shenzhen, 25 mil. Yeah, well, you see, I'm not the stats guy. And you know what? The population of Australia will, was 17.5 million at some point. So, so there. My stats are out of date. Uh, and you know why it suddenly jumped up so much? Is because of all the, the international students from China. There we go. So, back at you. Chinese Ox says, <clears throat> why don't you tell them the truth? Sea milk isn't here due to my fulfill MP7. Get into his face. No one has to spend the rest. Now he has to spend the rest of his life in bed. Well, you know, preemptive. There we go. Uh, Daffod Brooks says, sorry about that last one, guys. You two are awesome. Please do keep doing what you do best. At least watch Wham's music video freedom when you can. Okay. Mark... Uh, sorry, Hank Hall says, Why did Peng Shui not go to another country with her family before speaking out? As a celebrity, she would know better than anyone uh, what would happen to her for shaming such a high-level official, right? Well, look, there are a couple of um, uh, theories behind this. Number one is that it was a deliberate political power play by the Zhang Jimin, Zhang Jimin or sorry, the Xi Jinping faction to try and whatever. It's some infighting thing. So there's that theory. And the other theory is just, you know, people are human. Uh, maybe she was having a moment of weakness. Maybe she was drunk. Who knows? Maybe she was having a mental breakdown and she just wanted to say it. You never know. So uh, we can just speculate, really, at this point. Sam M. Here's some money for the beer you'll need after doing this whole show by yourself. Thank you. And yes, I def desperately, desperately need that. <laughs> going to go home and sit in my Trans Am and drink beer because I can't drive it in this snow. Um, so, Yeah. That's all I'm going to do. Sit in my Trans Am and drink beer and try not to freeze to death. Um, Black Halo 6. You see that AliExpress and WeChat e-commerce got added to US notorious markets list today. They're officially labeled as selling knockoffs now. Well, it's about time. I mean, how, how long is it going to take for uh, the World Trade Organization and for big you know, proper trade bodies around the world to realize that communist China, the China run by the CCP, will never put an end to knockoffs. It's built into their entire financial system. They keep saying, oh, we're going to put a stop to knockoffs. Oh, don't worry about it. We'll clamp down on fake LV bags and stuff. But that's not what you have to worry about. It's the military secrets, the fact that they copy the Black Hawk heli helicopter or the, the, the stealth fighter or whatever. They just copy everything. There's not a single modern invention out of China. It's all copies. And you can give props to the ancient Chinese who developed, um, you know, the printing press and paper and so on. Well, that's a little bit disputed, but they invented the compass and various other things. But so did the West in parallel invent them. So, I mean, who's to say what? But the fact of the matter is the, the ancient Chinese were, civilization was, you know, very good at inventing and very good at all this kind of thing. But modern China, no. That's not to say it's a Chinese people thing, because look at Taiwan. Taiwan is the leader when it comes to microprocessors and, and, and chips. Um, so it's not about, uh, it's, it's not a racial thing because Taiwanese people are exactly the same as Chinese people. 
Not that it would be a racial thing, it, but it's a it's a leadership thing. It's the Communist Party of China, the way that they run society and do not reward innovation. They reward shortcuts. And so there's no point in trying to invent something from scratch if you can simply just steal it and bring it back to China. Um, that's how the CCP operates. And that's why knockoffs are never going to go away from Communist Party-led China. Low86 says, I'm the captain now. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, anyway. <laughs> Felanon says, greetings from Estonia yet again. Thank you. And we love Estonia. Our main theme for the show is from Estonia. Uh, okay, case closed 93. I find that the CCP is like a cult and you have to deprogram Chinese people when they leave mainland. Do you agree? Definitely to an extent. In fact, I 100% agree with you. The CCP is run like a cult. And you will never, you know, it's just, you could say the same about certain religions as well. Certain um, indoctrination and the way people are brought up and, and taught and educated, it, certain things will never leave you. Um, and so you have to be aware of that, especially if you're in a multicultural relationship. Uh, it's some, some topics are just better avoided for everyone's sake, simply because you will never be able to, um, you know, change a certain person's way of thinking. The same goes for us, of course, but that's just how it is. And you know, this is Yamcha, this is talking. I got to talk about something here, guys. So you know what the Wu Mao have been trying to do lately to try and piss me off, which is hilarious, is when I make a, any kind of topic on Twitter, for instance, they tweet pictures of um, mixed couples at me, <laughs> like Asian man, white female couples of like Asian man and a white female who's pregnant and an Asian man, a white female with their... Um, with their mixed child and stuff, they tweet these pictures at me, and I, for the for the longest time, I couldn't understand why why are they sharing these random couples like family photos with me? I was like, this is kind of ridiculous. And then, of course, it dawned on me, they're trying to get a reaction. They they in their minds think that I'm going to be upset when I see an Asian man and a white female together. And for me, it's like, are you guys? dumb are you that stupid i mean i'm married to a chinese person if i had any issue with uh you know uh two different races getting married together i certainly wouldn't be married to a chinese person would i and in fact i wholeheartedly encourage um asian men and white women getting together i think it's fantastic i wholeheartedly encourage any race getting together with a different race but you know what it did is it exposes the mindset because while that kind of thing doesn't upset me, that kind of thing upsets the living shit out of these wool mouths. They are such racists. They are so ethnically focused, you know, that that kind of thing pisses them off. So they expect that it's going to piss me off. Meanwhile, I just reply to them, oh, what lovely couples. Thank you. You know, not that I want to see people's family photos anyway, but I thought it was pretty hilarious. Um... Let's get on with the, the questions. Thank you, uh, Mihak Robin. Um, you should never have decorated your saloon with Lao86. <laughs> okay. Um, and thank you for joining. Kavalotis Aenios. Sorry, I'm butchering your name. Sorry about that. So C-Milk hasn't blinked in 20 minutes and it's freaking me out, man. <laughs> yeah, I get it. It's freaking me out too. He's over my shoulder. Uh, Hontas Farmer. 
This Olympics was grotesque, and even mainstream outlets are calling it out. The PRC should not get another chance at this, not until this um, monumentous change of government. And yes, this has been... Well, it's appalling that this went ahead, okay? But at the same time, it's a bit of a win because it's shown the rest of the world a little bit about China and some just a, just a glimpse of the reasons that people should be concerned by what the CCP does. The stupid thing is this, if you look at that, that whole thread from Spicy Panda and all the propaganda that's going out there, as far as um, in mainland China is concerned, it's been flawless. It's been amazing. Um, they've done things like anything that's been slightly controversial just isn't shown at all. Like, for instance, the uh, hockey team, the Chinese hockey team, which consisted mainly of foreigners, lost badly. I think it was 8-0. to zero. They didn't show that on the, the coverage of the Olympics. It's not shown in China. They didn't show the hockey match at all. They instead superimposed pictures of like the figure skating or something like that when it was supposed to be showing the, um, the hockey tournament. So they didn't even show that. When um, the American Chinese-American figure skater won a gold medal. Nope, he's not even mentioned. They don't show him. They don't show any footage of that. They have managed to, like they always control the media, change this Olympics into this incredible occasion that the whole world loves and, sh and China's so amazing and everything like that. And if you were living in China watching ch TV as a Chinese person or a foreigner, you'd buy it because they're not showing the truth. Any of the controversies, any of the weird things going on around the, the Olympics and, you know, the complaints from the athletes and stuff, completely and utterly censored and silenced. You know, they even tried to make, um, I think it was a Finnish, was it the Finnish athlete that filmed the uh, water pouring down in the, the room in the athlete's village where the water burst and, you know, they tried to, to make uh, them delete the, the footage and photos off their phone and things like that. You know, they, they try their best to control the narrative, but they haven't managed to completely control it unless, of course, you're within China. Um, but yeah, it's a good, it's good telling. It's good. Good the world's seeing this. All right. Orgborg. Oh, I, I may have now experienced the first snapping thing that Seamilk always complains about. Let me find out where we were. Give me a second. Give me a second while I find this. Um, okay, here we go. Orgborg, thank you. Golden Age Flash. Hello, Winston. Thank you. For, thanks much for the continued insights into China and exposing CCP evils. Have you had time to work on your motorbike and car shop hobbies while in the U.S.? Uh, yes, I mean, we have that, you can search on YouTube, we have a channel called Worthless Whips, and Seamilk uh, and I tried to start a, an automotive channel, which will still keep going, but it's now far on the back burner, uh, to try and, you know, use our hobbies and our passions and put it into a YouTube channel, but it took far too much time and money and effort and, you know, for the returns that we kind of put it on the back burner, but yes, take a look, just search for Worthless Whips. Chinese ox, don't be filled. Don't be fooled. Mr. Milk is talking to you from beyond the grave. Our Mavic drone got his image and our company could not let him go. <laughs> yeah, looks up. O Biden says, I'd like to see you go on the Tim Pool show slash InfoWars. <laughs> I might have to decline to go on InfoWars. Um, or anyone. You know what? It's a tough, it's a tough game. Um, if you are people like ourselves trying to put out an important message. It, it gets muddied when you align yourself with other people. It doesn't matter what side they're on, left or right. It's a tough one. If you go on their show, 
it just gives ammunition to the people who want to um, silence your message, if you know what I mean. Logo app says, I feel bad because she seemed more in denial than an international woman. Mm. You're talking about the person tearing down the Lenin wall? They know what they're doing. But yes, it's the inability to handle the truth that creates these knee-jerk reactions. And think about how, just how ridiculous this is. If you were studying in a Chinese university, um, as I was, I studied in a Chinese university, and they have um, an article put up on the notice board that talks about like how bad America is for invading Iraq or something like that, which happens, by the way, in Chinese, obviously, or something critical of the West. Would you go up to it and tear it down and create a scene and destroy like an entire, I don't know, art installation or something? Or would you, like somebody who's used to being able to accept different opinions, look at it and say, ah, idiots, and move on? I think probably the latter. Um, sea milk looks more like fat-free milk today. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's right, by Griffin Yerhard. Okay. Novastar. It was such a long time ago. Okay, so I wonder what her opinion about the century of humiliation. That was much longer in the past. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, hi from, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong with the, the flag, with the Czech flag. You know, that's the thing. The century of humiliation is brought up all the time uh, when it comes to China's motivations for being assholes, basically. Um, for lack of a better way to phrase it, but they always say like, oh, we were bullied for so long, so now we get to be an arsehole because we were bullied for a hundred years and opium wars and this and that. Well, I mean, any any country can have that excuse, really. Oh, we lost a war in the past, so now we can be an arsehole. Oh, we sucked in the past because of X, Y, Z, so now we get to be an arsehole. It doesn't, it doesn't compute, but yeah, that's a good point. Brian H., get better soon, Seamilk. Excellent. Uh, Parasnath Valsen. <clears throat> saw a mainland movie with Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal about PRC's activities in Africa. What is the target audience of such movies? How much are Hollywood actors compromised? Lost all respect for Tyson. <laughs> Dude, you're talking about Steven Seagal and Mike Tyson. They're not exactly the the epitome of morals and, you know, like high-class character here. You know, they'll do anything for a buck. Come on. Seriously. <laughs> Doc Slothington, old Doc here. Winston, you're doing a good job holding down the show solo. Might recommend in future you keep a hefty bird on reserve to co-host the show if Sea Milk is gone. <laughs> Indeed. I wonder how Hefty Bird's doing these days. She's such a nice person. She knew how to get what she wanted. She got a snog with that friend of mine and against his will, so props to her. Uh Get Sink uh, twelve hundred. <clears throat> You're doing well solo. Hope sea milk is well soon. UK unis have more students from China than Wales this year. 90% of 19% of student body. Yeah, I mean, look. As someone who did work in China preparing students to go overseas to specifically Australia, the UK and the USA, those three countries uh, and Canada, sorry. I worked for a company um, doing this. I know how big of an industry this is for everyone involved there are these agents on the chinese side and of course the universities on the other side and then you've got homestay setups and all this and uh, it's a huge 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 industry and that's why the universities tend to pander to the demands of the chinese uh, students but what they don't realize is they're not pandering to the demands of the chinese students because most chinese students 
don't want this conflict and this crap. They actually do want to experience a different culture and just get do, get their studies done and, and make friends and whatnot. It's this very small vocal minority of ultranationalists, which are usually linked to the CCP anyway, and it's not really them. It'll be the Chinese Students and Scholars Association, which reports directly to the consulates, or it'll be the Confucius Institute and their cronies. It'll be someone like that that's doing all the, the bleating and the, the chest pumping and stuff and getting it done. Um, but yeah, man, like, it's just, it's not cool when you see this going on. And I got to tell you, man, there's so much corruption and shit involved. When I was working for this company, right? So we, we would, there's a, to the IELTS um, and the TOEFL. There are a couple of these like tests that international students have to pass in order to get a spot in an international university. But the amount of corruption that's involved in this stuff is ridiculous. So the, the majority of the time, a person will get the certification of TOEFL or IELTS, but it'll be fraudulently gotten. In other words, they'll have someone else sit in and take the test for them. Or they bribe the school that's giving out the, the TOEFL or the, the IELTS. I know IELTS is a little better because the, the British, uh, whatever you call that, like the, the British Council or whatever um, does that, and they're quite strict about it. But I know the, the TOEFL thing to get into America and Canada and stuff. It's so corrupt. And I remember working for this company. And it was like a part-time ESL job. I'd go in there and I'd just score, like test, do, do test scoring and things like that. And they would give me these essays. And they'd say, oh, yeah, can you just, um, you know, edit this and just correct the mistakes in this essay? And I'd get this absolutely bizarre rambling of word salad, which I could not make sense of. And I'd look at this and I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'd have to sit there and my brain hurt trying to figure this out. And I'd kind of sort of understand more or less what they were trying to say, but I would have to rewrite the whole thing. So I did this and I did this for about two or three of these things. And I was like, what is this shit? What, what is this? Like, this is not making sense. And I spoke to, to my boss at the time and he was like, well, that's, the essay that they have to submit to the um, to the universities overseas. They submit the essay, and then the essay, I mean, the university reads it and sees if the person is um, suitable to come and study there. And I realized what they were doing was getting me to write fake essays on behalf of these students. And of course, I stopped straight away. I was like, I'm not doing this. Piss off, you know? Luckily, I hadn't sent through the finished ones to the boss yet because, like, I'm not going to be a part of that. Um, and that's kind of what happens. So you can imagine you're a, a whatever, an ad admissions staff sitting in America somewhere and you get sent not only like a bunch of, oh, they passed this test and so on, but you get sent an essay and it reads like a native English speaker wrote it. And it's like, hi, my name is so-and-so and I want to talk about this and this and this and blah, blah, blah. You got your essay. And you're like, this guy's English is fantastic. Absolutely admit him into the school or the, or the college. Meanwhile, it's some schlub like me sitting in Shenzhen in an office somewhere, being given a word salad from obviously machine translated through Baidu or something like that. I'm the one writing that. The student can't speak English at all. Never mind write it. And then they get a position. And then they go in to study in that university and they bring the entire class down because they can't understand what the teacher's saying. So the teacher has to be super slow and pay super extra attention to that student because they can't understand English. They mess up the whole system and it's due to corruption. Anyway, thought I'd get that off my chest. Um, 
Dadon. Australia has about 26 million people, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, what's, what's 10 million here or there? You know what I mean? It's not a lot. <laughs> and the fact that um, Shenzhen reached 21 million people at one point when I was living there, because I remember it, it made the news, it was like a lot, means that they have Chabador, almost the same um, you know, population as Australia. Anyway, yeah, I stand corrected, by the way, on that. Laurie Lays. Keep up the great work, guys. Greetings from Estonia. Wow, we got a lot of Estonians here. That's fantastic. And that's one of the places that uh, Creepy Milk over here and myself really would love to go whenever, whenever we do our ADV Europe uh, motorcycle tour thing in the future. Absolute zero. Since Sea Milk was banished to the pits of Tartarus, here are some shekels to release him from his shekels. Excellent. Thank you. Lando, very generous. Thank you. Says, keep up the good fight. Thank you. We will. Alessio M. Canadian universities have a lot of mainland Chinese students and they pay like 40k a year instead of 10k a year from Canadians. So a lot of them turn a blind eye to these issues. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It's about money. Um, also, the, the whole international student thing, paying more money, it happens in China too. Um, we were paying... When I was studying at the Shenzhen University, we were paying about 10,000 RMB per semester. And uh, I mean, that per six, six months, I think it is, right? 10,000 RMB? With your, yeah, it was about 8,900 and then plus all the extra crap you had to buy, like textbooks and, and some other things. About 10,000 RMB for your, um, uh, for your semester. Just to, to put it into balance, the Chinese students were paying around about 2,000 for the same semester. So it's quite a lot more that we were paying. So 10,000 versus 2,000. I remember that being a thing and I was like, why? Just turns out that seems to be normal. Uh, open your eyes. Seeing that ski slope for the shit Olympics is so dystopian to me. Why did they think that was a good idea? Also need to make me a John Lennon lemon wall. John Lemon wall, okay. Yeah, you know, they really tried to this propaganda account that I was showing you earlier, they really tried to turn that whole um, dystopian ski jump thing into a positive, like, look how China is using, reusing old steel plants. It's renewable energy, all this kind of crap. Reuse. It actually just looks like shit. You didn't have to do that, you know? How about just knocking that old crap down, you know? Or repurposing it or something for something other than the Olympics. Um, like a movie set for a dystopian future. <clears throat> Robert Lopez, thank you very much for your generosity, mate. Says, um, for a few beers on me to numb the pain when Seamilk gets home. <laughs> Dragon's Fourth Child says, I oftentimes don't even argue, but just comment. Wumao detected, and the reaction is the same. Wouldn't have known about all this without you guys. Thank you. That's what we aim to do, is to educate you um, to all the different methods. And I'm really glad that we got this week's Wumao Corner, so I could show you how criticism of the bad actions of Chinese nationalists gets attempted to turn into a whole race-baiting situation where it's like, oh, you can't do that, otherwise you're racist or you're causing anti-Asian hate or something like that. They've been using this now for a long time, and it's pretty effective. It works fairly well on most people because they're so afraid of being called racist, you know? Gordon Freeman. <clears throat> when you speak with Chinese friends, is there... Um, an innocuous question, which you can get used to gauge their stance on the CCP? Or is there like a secret handshake asking for a friend? Uh, usually it just comes out, like you can tell if someone's nationalist. They actually, they always 
ask you sensitive questions. This is something that really pissed me off when you're just meeting uh, random strangers in China. Is you're sitting down having a beer and they start to ask you sensitive questions about certain things um, to try and gauge where you stand and also maybe to try and start something. Uh, so I'd always just, you know, ignore it and move on and dodge the question every time. So usually it comes from that side of things. But I mean, you could slip things in here or there. Mm. I don't know, like when I was um, when I was in China, I went to the first time I went to Beijing, just completely coincidental. I went to go visit Tiananmen Square on June 4th. <laughs> and I mean, it wasn't because I knew about the anniversary. It wasn't even in my mind, but I just went there and I couldn't understand what all this extra security was why I was being singled out as a foreigner and they were double checking and looking in my bag and doing all this weird stuff and extra security checkpoints and, and all this crap. I was like, what is going on? Well, it turns out I was there uh, during the anniversary. So I've sometimes used that little story of mine to kind of gauge people's um, reaction. I'll be like, you know, when I visited the uh, Tiananmen Square for the first time, I visited it on June 4th and I was really like hassled by the, the security and the PLA and stuff. And then people will be like, well, it's because this or people will, you know, you can gauge, gauge their reaction. Um, Jekyll N, Asian Australian here. Thanks for the entertaining warning. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Jeb Duncans. Winston, the Wumao Slayer, keep up the great work. Thank you, I will. It's kind of hilarious how that all ended up with that guy because not only did he send me insulting things about like how I'm just trying to make money by slandering China and crap like that, he ended up deleting all of his comments when he found out that I was going to use them in the show and uh, started to make all these ridiculous posts. But it just goes to show, you know, if you're going to stand up and publicly say something, you have to back it up. And I've got to that point now where people, they accuse me of something. You better have proof. I'm sick and tired of being slandered all the time. You know how many videos are out there? Serpents that are exposed. And they try to paint these out-of-context pictures that I'm some kind of a weird, racist, pedophile, uh, I don't know, enemy of the earth. You know, like the biggest villain out there for some reason. And none of it's true. And if you question them... Okay, prove it. When did I say this? What is it? None of them can come up with anything. They throw stupid YouTube videos by obsessed stalkers who go out there and try to bring me down, but none of it can ever be proven because none of it's true. So I've got to that point in my life where I'm just sick and tired of people accusing me of being something I'm not, you know? Uh, Random Pearson says, add oil. Laudy Six says, serpent. I seem to have to do the show solo all the time. ZA, this is the second time. <laughs> yes, it is the second time. <laughs> that's more than that's more than once. So I could say all the time. That means um, right now I've set a precedent of doing the show solo more than anyone else. <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not butthurt by it. By the way, I totally enjoy this. I love it. I, I really do though. I love I love the show. So if there's a chance to keep it going, even if it means I do it solo got to be here you know can't let everybody down and you're here in spirit you're here in the chat so it's okay we're, we're, we're running this together michael a mayo <clears throat> don't feel too badly thousands of hong kongers hong kong elites were cppcc members and did nothing to stand up to the ccp or support the protesters fear and greed made them sell out their own country hey that's going to happen everywhere and it's quite a complicated situation in hong kong for sure glacier 
Winston and Seamilk, I sent an email to the ADV podcast email with a question and my thesis on China exporting censorship. Managed to find info I needed and closed to close to done with chapter two. Can I send email to set up interview? Sure, uh, send us another email. And you know your your name, Glacia, reminds me of um, a very cheap wine in South Africa. It's called Grasa. Uh, don't know why I brought that up, but. Um, when you're young and you're poor and you need something to drink, it's like 12 rand for a, which is ridiculous. What is that, like a dollar, a dollar, less than a dollar? Yeah, it's like 15 rand to a dollar or something, isn't it? So it's less than a dollar. You get a bottle of wine and it knocks you out pretty good. And you just doesn't taste that bad either. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about that. Matthew Booth. You guys should do a meetup in Philadelphia sometime. As someone who has spent the better part of a decade in China, I would love to meet you guys. We'd love to meet you too. Um, you know? We we don't do meetups anymore because the last time we did it was a bit of a uh, it was a hell of a, a night it was amazing it must have been three hundred people turned up unexpectedly we flooded the whole venue and out on the streets but something happened that night which was um, something bad happened that night which we don't really talk about but could have gone very badly um, and so we decided that it's not a good idea to publicly let people know where we're going because we do have enough obsessed crazy haters and stalkers and weirdos that might try to do something and somebody did try to do something that night but uh, luckily I talked him out of it so here's the thing um, if we're going to have meetups we will we don't want to stop having meetups but it's going to have to be kind of an RSVP only kind of maybe a patron only thing or something where we know who we're talking to and we know that no, no weirdos are going to turn up you know what I mean um, just give me a second let me see something here Okay. All right. Let's see. <clears throat> she's Bowser says, oh, she's Bowser. There we go. Not much, but we do what we can. Here, have some Bowser on me, lads. Thank you so much. I'll share the Bowser with Seamilk. By the way, love Bowser. If you're a foreigner in China, that's your go-to food when you're not used to Chinese cuisine yet. Bowser, roll bao, tai bao. So good. Rum Runner. I noticed that China held the Winter Olympics. Um, is snow free? Flat Beijing? But not in snowy, hilly Tibet. I wonder why. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they have they have perfect places. China's a massive country, and it has every kind of. It's got desert. It's got forest. It's got you know everything you can think of when it comes to geography. They have. So yes, it had to be in Beijing, of course, because remember, they wanted this uh, accolade of have, being the only country to ever have the Olympics held twice in the same city. That was the point of this thing. It's all about soft power. Uh, William uh, Pacheco, 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 I'm sorry if I got that wrong. I really sympathize with your frustration when dealing with CCP shills. Many people CCP have wronged have felt the same frustration. The world doesn't seem to listen or care. Thank you for, thank you for talking uh, about it. Absolutely, mate. Yep. We have to talk about it because no one else is. So the fact that you guys are here having this discussion with me and Creepy Milk today means the world to me because that means that there are people out there who who understand what's going on and people out there who are willing to have this discussion and perhaps have this discussion with other people too. And uh, we appreciate you so much for being a part of this. Gordon Freeman. Uh, heard they caught the Falun Gong booth vandal in Queens, New York City. I wonder about his background. The whole community is angry uh, and got some good publicity. People are becoming aware. Stay awesome. I wasn't actually aware of that. Uh, I'll have to look that story up. Thank you. I'm I'm against any kind of vandalism. You know what? I've seen some pretty, I don't know, what would you say, like terrible 
upsetting, awful um, protest stuff going on in the USA and around the world, really. But, you know, if you've got a strong, um, I don't know, opinion on abortion or something, let's say you're pro-life and you see, you know, uh, pro-abortion people, or let's say you're pro-abortion, you see pro-life people. There can be a lot of shocking stuff there. Or if you're religious and you see people putting up signs that are like insulting and blasphemous and stuff or vice versa. Maybe you're an atheist and you see religious people putting up stuff like you're going to go to hell or whatever. There's a lot of stuff out there. And you know what? It, if it shocks you and it upsets you, you just have to take it. You know, that's what being part of a free society is, because that means that you have the right to shock and upset other people to put your point across. And vandalizing someone's signs or vandalizing them because they have an opinion that you don't agree with is not the way to go. And unfortunately, it seems the only way the CCP can handle things, the CCP nationalists, is to do that. And it shows their their weakness of character and their inability to understand and have compassion towards other people's point of views and actually realize that other people are allowed to have a different opinion, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's Killer Cell Baby Seven. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you. Um, hyphen forward slash forward slash forward slash says, "Did you see Malema in South Africa testify under oath that he might order the culling of white people? It's insane that he's a party leader, dude. Welcome to my world. My parents um had to lose their farm because of this whole appropriation without compensation shit in South Africa. Um, dude." When you've got somebody that says that they are not killing, uh, calling for the killing of all white people, at least for now, and they still get to be a prominent uh, political party member, and uh, you get to see, you get to see what real racism is. You know what I mean? And especially if you're the target of that racism your entire life, you get to understand racism very well. And that's why I sometimes get a little carried away when um, morons try to say that I'm racist to say the CCP is doing something wrong. Because they don't understand what real racism is, right? And especially the CCP is one of the most racist leaderships ever. And the society in China, it's encouraged to be xenophobic and racist. And that's a, a, a mechanism of control over the people is to uh, get everybody to kind of stick together against a common foe. And that common foe is an outsider, and that's one of the things I can't stand about Chinese society is the fact that it's us versus them all the time. And uh, yeah, xenophobia and racism is very real in China. And uh, when it comes to racism, like I said, I know what it's all about. I, I fucking hate it. I really do. I really hate racism. I'm talking about real racism, not talking about someone saying something that upsets you. You know what I mean? I'm talking about things that negatively uh, affect and kill you, you know, and do terrible things to you. Um, that's that's what I'm saying. Uh, that effect completely prevents you from living a normal life. <clears throat> anyway, that Malema piece of shit deserves to die, you know, in Minecraft, <laughs> as we always say around here. But seriously, he doesn't deserve to be uh, a political party leader. He should be in jail. And in a normal country, like in other words, not South Africa, if people threaten to genocide an entire race, and they were the head of a political party, they probably would be in jail, you know? Anyway, let's move on. Don't want to get too upset about this. Ayad Turke, thank you. Jay Leo, Matt, besides Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, 50 Cent, Mary J. Bilge, sorry, Blige, and Eminem, Cardi C also should have performed at the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. 
Um, Czech Bounce says, greetings from the Czech Republic. Here's $20. I hope C-Milk is okay. Well done on handling the podcast live solo. Thank you. I really appreciate that very much. Big Scorp, this Super Chat money is exclusively for Creepy Milk. All right, I'll pass it on to him. Do, do I have five bucks on me? I wonder. I'll slip it in his helmet for him later. Rum Runner, have your wife watch Castaway with Tom Hanks? It's a really universal story that my Mexican and African friends all loved. You know, there are some videos, or so sorry, I should say some movies, that are wildly popular for some reason in China. Forrest Gump is one of those. So for some reason, Forrest Gump really, really kind of took hold with the Chinese pub public. Um, and it's insane how popular that is. And by the way, Friends, you know the series Friends? Wildly popular, but it's recently been re-released in China. When I say re-released, I should say released for the first time officially. Because as far as I know, when I first got to China in 2006, everybody was watching Friends. In fact, you could go and buy in the bookshops and stuff like a, a learn English through watching Friends set. And it would have like VCDs in there. And you could watch Friends, but it was kind of like an ESL thing. And you had a book to follow along with it. And they'd like pause it at certain parts and you would learn lines that they say. It's insane how popular Friends was in China. But now that it's been released, and I believe it's the first time it's been released officially in China, because back then it was all just knockoff, copyright, stolen, pirated shit, which, to be honest, China's still full of that stuff. But now certain things are being legitimized. So now it's been released officially. They've censored it. They've taken out any references to lesbians and gays and LGBT stuff. They've even censored the globes. If there's a globe, which you can't even see clearly in that shit ADP 90s footage... They've blurred it out just so people can't see Taiwan as a different island or whatever, a different country. It's hilarious. So the netizens are pissed off because a lot of them love Friends. Friends is universally loved in China. Um, there's a couple of weird things like that, but yeah. Okay, we've got Kjurgic. Been a fan for five years. I'm originally from Albania, and I know how horrible communism dictatorship is and how it can destroy humanity. My mother was 15 years in prison. Cheers from Philly. Yeah, mate. And uh, sorry to hear about your mom. And that's something that uh, most people would never understand. Especially, and I, I hate to rant on about this, but America's one of the most well-meaning places I've ever lived in my life. The people of America are incredibly well-meaning. Wonderful, polite. No matter what you hear or see in the media, I've never had a terrible experience in America. And I've been around. I traveled from coast to coast on a road trip and I've been to the deep south and I've been to the 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 you know east and the west and the north and the everywhere and I found that by and in large the American people are wonderful wonderful people but they're also very naive and that's because America is so wonderful uh, of course you get your very obnoxious you get your obnoxious people who want to go out and you know protest this and that and they're, they're obnoxious but you know what that's because they've grown up in a very spoilt um, society and they've grown up in a very spoilt and privileged position where small inconveniences to them seem to be the end of the world um, and so they have to create a whole bloody thing about something small and, and insignificant um, not to say there aren't significant things that people do protest about of course there are plenty but I'm just saying that in general so when you see people complaining and moaning in, in America about certain things who've never experienced something like you have with your mother being locked up and not understanding how dangerous 
communism is and, and the way that China operates is, it's infuriating. You get those kids wearing those Che Guevara t-shirts and stuff, you know, on college campus thinking they're all cool. And you're like, dude, shut up. Just please just get out of here. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, I just got to say that uh, I'm in solidarity with you and thank you so much for your support and thank you for being a fan. Appreciate it. Uh, Click All Night says, Wired ran the most, the worst article about COVID lockdowns in China today. How they've gone remarkably well. You know, since reported cases and reported deaths have stayed so low. Yeah, man. I, I can't stand it. That's the thing. China can make anything up. The, the CCP can make up anything they want. Um, and they have in the past. Remember the whole thing with the stem cell research um, professor who was winning prizes and stuff for saying that he's created new stem cell research that's revolutionized this and that, and everyone was buying it, but then when they actually get down and say, okay, show us, turns out it was fake and bullshit. And that's how China works. It's about face. If they get away with saying they could do something, they will. So without doing it, you know. Lech Mish Im Arsh says, congratulations to Seamilk for becoming the literal chairman of a day. <laughs> He's actually a tripod man today. He's like hung him on a tripod there for those behind the scenes for you. Um, uh, Karathos, thank you. Just just saying 1986 says, hey guys, I used to watch your show regularly, but I don't now. The issues I see with your commentary is there's no room for nuance. Personal experience is great, but you guys should seek out academics and experts to be better informed. Well, I'll take that as, um, as a, a constructive criticism from you. I appreciate your opinion on that very much, even if I don't agree with it. Um, remember that having lived 14 years and sea milk over 10 years in China, um, we have experienced a lot. Um, having learned the language, also being married to Chinese women and having half Chinese children and having Chinese family. Our experience is more than just skin deep. It's not just, uh, oh, we went to China and we saw a few things and uh, now we get to say what we thought. No, we experienced it. We lived there. I mean, think about it. Anyone in China, a Chinese person who is under the age of 14, has lived in China less than I have, right? There's a lot that I learned and absorbed. And there's a lot that I understand about China. And so I will continue to comment on China due to my experiences. It's not a fly-by-night thing. And you could say that myself and Simulk are China experts. And in fact, we have far more experience and not only just anecdotes, but just being able to talk about what we experience than a lot of China commenters out there, you know. So I appreciate your feedback and I'll take it on board and then just kind of push it over the edge if that makes any sense so thank you either way if you want nuance there are places you can go for that rum runner and if you want nuance and if that just means that we just say you know the opposite of what we say then that's not really nuance you know this is we like to be straightforward and i don't want to hang on this too long but we like to be straightforward we like to speak the truth if we ever say something wrong 100% we will correct ourselves and stand corrected. That's how we operate here. We're not here to pander to any specific group of people. And we're not here to be um, something we're not, which is truthful. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, we are truthful. Yeah. Okay, Rum Runner. Bad joke to raise or low allow 86 of spirits. Why did R. Kelly love touring in China? Because there, she too young is just another name. <laughs> 
That's terrible. Alice Lamb. My mom apparently wants to vote for Trump so that the U.S. would fall faster so China can overtake sooner. Got enamored by some shill's 15-minute speech, too. So she's now even deeper in propaganda. Well, I mean, that sounds terrible. By your surname, I take it that you're Cantonese? Maybe Hong Konger? I don't know. But, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> you win some, you lose some. All you can do is, at the end of the day, if you can't uh, reason with a person... Um, and have a proper conversation, all you got to do is accept them for who they are. Doc Slothington, is that a Borderlands Vault logo on the B-roll? <laughs> now you mention it, it kind of does look like that, doesn't it? Now that's a Cherry logo. Cherry is, um, is China's knockoff of Chevy. So instead of C-H-E-V-Y, it's C-H-E-R-Y, Cherry. They just replace one letter, the V with the R. <laughs> I, and I actually had a... A cherry? No, was it? Yes. No? Was it cherry? Rich was a like subsidiary of... Yeah, I think it was cherry, my car. And they they came out with the Cherry QQ, um, which is a Chevy Spark or a Deu... What was it? Deu Matiz or something? A Deu something. But basically, it's the Chevy Spark, and they copied it to a T, so much so that you can take the Chevy doors and, and panels and just like put them on and they all fit. Um, and Chevy tried to sue them, and they learned very quickly that if you try to sue a Chinese company, boycotts come in, and they started to lose their Chinese market, so then they backed off and let let uh, Cherry just knock off their stuff. Um, Angry Dragon retracted a message but left a lovely $8.88. Thank you so much for the, the good luck. Quinton Stanford, just jumped in here. I'm fully recovered from COVID, but here's some extra cash for all the loads I've taken from rioting truckers. Okay. Thank you, mate, and thank you very much for your um, your uh, generosity here. Melbourne Recycled Floors. Thank you for your generosity, says barbecue and a fight next time you're down under. It sounds like fun. Yeah, that's kind of how we roll, you know, in the colonies. So, you know, that's South Africa and um, Australia pretty much the same, to be honest, in, in many ways. It's all about brise and uh, beer and fighting, I suppose which is, sounds great, doesn't it? Great great combination. Great civilization we have. Um, Lostaris says, <clears throat> I'm living in the fear... We'll live in the fear. ...of the look that Sea Milk is giving Winston. Angry Dragon, hey, Winston, here's some beer money for you and Sea Milk so you guys don't have to live in the fear. <laughs> we'll <laughs> okay. live in the Get fear. In there. Um, and screw Dazak, fulfill MP7. Yeah, seriously, I haven't talked about Balsack this time around. You know Dr. Balsack, otherwise Balsack. Known, Peter Dazak. He's very much responsible for helping the CCP cover the spread and outbreak of the coronavirus. And him being a respected virologist misled so many people and scientists on the dangers and what was going on, specifically with the Wuhan lab, where all his Baijiu KTV mates hang out, you know? Anyway, someday, someday some... He'll have some come up, as I'm sure. Richard Hinman, thank you for your generosity. Uh, Redonk, Brew. All right. Hey, Brew. Christine Hill, thank you. Delta X, you should explain what Wu Mao and 50 uh, cent part mean. I don't really think people understand. 50 cents uh, is Wu Mao. We say Wu Mao, you know, if you mean 50 cents. 
email, email, some mail. You know, it basically just means uh, it's it's a it's a denomination of money of currency. So email is ten cents, and liang mao is twenty cents, and wu mao is fifty cents. And it's rumored that these paid internet trolls get paid fifty cents per comment that they leave on foreign uh, social media posts and so on. And that was in the beginning. Of course, that's not really what happens. They have a salary. They have a full-time job. There's actually divisions of the PLA, which are specifically for this job. Uh, Shays says, donation for Sea Milk's corset. All right. Excellent. Ao um, Hotarubi oh, Hot says, it would be such a power move if the athletes from foreign countries competing for China were actually secretly there to expose the CCP to the West. Haha, <laughs> if only. Uh, looking good there, Sea Milk. Excellent. Doc Slothington says, Precious may not be the hefty bird we deserve, but she's the one we need. Dude, Precious, I got to tell you that story. Like, I know we're running short on time here, but I got to quickly tell you that story. So I'm uh, in the class, right? And I don't know, like there was this bottle. I think it was a an old beer bottle or something okay i was on the floor it's just a glass empty bottle was being used as a vase or something so under the floor near my desk so i rolled it a little bit to the side and uh, the teacher was like hey who's making that noise you know and so i was like sorry i was just you know just there's there was a me type thing and so the teacher's like don't make don't make any more noise you know pay attention so I thought I'd do the right thing and reach down and like roll the bottle again to pick it up, to put it on the side. So I rolled the bottle to pick it up and Precious was next to me. And she said, don't make a noise in the class. And she smacked me like flat hand, like right on the side of my face and literally like knocked me the, f like I saw stars. I couldn't believe how hard she hit me. So the teacher told us to both go outside. Okay. And I was bedazzled and I was like, we're both standing outside. So I'm like, what did you do that for? And then she punched me. She's like, you got me kicked out of class. She punched me like, whoa, dude, the strength of that woman. I just cannot tell you. I had to run. I just ran. I just turned around. I ran away. I, would, I did not want to die that day. I must have been like 14, 15 at the time. But I was like, I'm out of here. This woman is just like death incarnate. So anyway, it turns out she's on the bus. And there was this dumbass um, bully. And he was like a real piece of shit. Nobody liked him. What's his name? Je Jebez or something like that. Je something. No, not Jebez. What's his name? Whatever. It doesn't matter. He had a shit name. So this guy, he was sitting there and he picked the wrong day. He picked the wrong thing to do. So uh, Precious is sitting there and he leaned over with his lighter and he tried to set her hair on fire. Because, you know, like uh, it's quite common in Africa. They use a lot of like hair product. It's dangerous as hell because that stuff's flammable, right? So anyway, I don't know what he was doing. So he reached over and he's trying to set her hair on fire. And she turned around and she beat him bloody. Like he had to go to the hospital. He was so badly beaten up by her. And then good, good for her. I mean, he deserved to get beaten up. I didn't get deserved to get beaten up for rolling a bottle on the floor. Stupidest reason to get beaten up for. But dude, Precious, holy shit. Don't like if you stay away from Precious. <laughs> Anything but Precious. What's the opposite of Precious? I don't know. Anyway, Simon Scott. When I was young, some international students stole an assignment of mine and submitted it. University accused me of selling it, but the truth came out. They were not expelled. When I complained about that, I got threatened with, uh, when I complained about it, I got threatened with expulsion. That's awful. And that's the kind of crap that I hope um, gets 
put a stop to, if you know what I mean. I think everybody should be responsible for their actions, no matter where they come from or no matter who they are. Felnan says, to chat, Estonia, we have been in NATO and EU since forever now, and we are not Russia, even though YouTube pushes Russian language content. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for making that clear. David Glass, it's time you go on Tim Pool. All right, thanks. I think I need a beanie. Uh, Mihak Robin, thank you. David Newfield, the Great Wall is beautiful in winter. It's crazy that the ski jump wasn't put there. I mean, yeah, but they didn't have snow anyway. Only they had a light dusting of snow sometime during it, and then they started to pan onto the other parts. But you'll notice that all the coverage has been very macro shots on the fake snow parts because the background looked drab and terrible. James, have a beer on me. International students pay more than national students because they pay taxes, income sales, etc. that international students usually don't pay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Although when I was working in China, I was a student and working, and I was paying taxes in China and paying these outrageous fees. Okay, uh, Milkman Leroy says, Hey, Winston, check pics I sent you on Twitter DM. It will do. Um, and we have a, we're almost done here, guys. We're near the end. Uh, LBM222. Winston, shut up. We love you. doesn't matter how much hate material about you paid agents put online. They are paid agents after all. It's their job. It's your character that we value. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's been tough. I'm not going to lie. You know, Yamcha, we get to chat here. But it's been years and years and years that uh, my character's been um, under attack and people have tried to assassinate my character online from all sorts of different angles. They try everything. And you know what? It gets very, very frustrating. Mm. It doesn't... It doesn't discourage me. I'm never going to stop what I do. Um, and I, I have all of you to thank for that because it's the people like you who watch and engage with what myself and Seamilk does. I know he's not hes not here. He's here in the chat, but he's not here sitting next to me today. Um, we do what we do because we know that we have something valuable to offer and we know that we have the best audience out there, people like yourselves who are willing to come in here and chat and uh, really make a difference. So... Uh, thank you very much for those words. It really helps a lot. Thank you. Um, okay. Joanne says, Would you consider deleting timestamps to be vandalism? Nearly 20 thus far. Last super chat ever. Over now. Best wishes. Who deleted timestamps? That's weird. Anyway, certainly didn't delete any timestamps. <clears throat> Winston, have you been to neighboring countries like Madagascar, Mozambique? Eswatini, Lesotho, etc. And if so, how are they compared to South Africa? Yes, when I was young, we went to Namibia and Botswana and places like that. And um, they're all very different. I could tell you that. Well, you know, South Africa is the most developed country in sub-Saharan Africa, right? It's got the most infrastructure. It's the richest country. It's um, And so on and so forth. But other countries like Namibia, uh, you know, used to be called Southwest Africa when I went there, actually. That's how long ago I went there. Um they're very different in their own way, and they're awesome. Every place has its own culture and its own heritage and its own backstory. Um, but yeah, if you want, if you want um, the most developed part of Africa, you go to South Africa. But at the same time, I also feel like the the hatred is more developed down there, if that makes sense, and the the violence is more developed down in South Africa. And because it is the most uh, the richest part of Africa. You get a lot of people going there in order to seek their fortune and so on, and it's it can become 
quite messy, put it that way. Arvin OO, thank you guys for bringing together this community. Before finding this community, I was completely hopeless. Any tip on not getting my comments censored by YouTube due to CCP boss, bots mass reporting me? That's tough, man. Um, and it's crazy. They literally flag, and it's it's interesting when you run your own like our own subreddit. You see how it works. How many people try to flag our posts as being racist or offensive or whatever when they're not, totally not. And it's fairly effective. But I think certain systems now are getting to the point where they can re recognize this um, behavior as being you know uh, disingenuous, and so they're putting in a couple of things in place to kind of. Uh, back that stuff off a little bit. So we'll just have to keep sticking out and fighting the good fight until things become fair, you know? Um, a. Watson, if you could make an American law concerning China, what would it be? What topic would be the most important? Medicine, economy, media, education? I think, honestly, an important American law concerning China would be what's good for the goose is good for the gander. In other words, um, reciprocity. If America allows Chinese citizens to naturalize and become American citizens, China should allow American citizens and, well, other foreign, you know, well, let's say American citizens to naturalize and become Chinese citizens. If America allows Chinese scientists to get grant money from the government in order to uh, do research and so on, China should do the same and, you know, back and forth. That's the law I would make. If China is not allowing, if China blocks apps, like Twitter, then America should block apps like TikTok. You know, I think that would be the best best of both worlds, of all worlds. Of course, I understand it can't work like that, but that would be my choice. Um, Vic London, do Chinese like Indian movies? Yes, Bollywood is actually very popular in China. Um, it's some, to be honest, my, my real introduction to Bollywood was in China. Um, I hadn't watched much of it before. And to be honest, I'm not a big fan of dancing and musicals and things like that. But uh, I am a big fan of India. I think India is great. Um, Foreign Influence says, come on, this channel does not has does no need for academics. You two has more, more real experience and a better insight about China than 90% of China scholars that I know. Instead, academics should ask you two to speak in class. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, to be honest. And I'm not trying to say that to toot my own horn, but it's the real... Real-world experience, that's important simply because you can study China all you want unless you live there and speak the language and understand what's going on. You, 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 you don't really have a clue because everything that you're studying has been censored and warped in the favor of the CCP most of the time. That it's, you know, it's tough. Anyway, thank you for that. Um, okay, Jason Fuchs says, Being new to America yourself, any highlights you found disappointing? And the reverse question. Um, wow. In America, what did I find the most disappointing? Healthcare is probably the biggest thing that I would say. This this ridiculous situation where you have to pay so much in order to, you know, cover your family for healthcare. It's it's insane. I pay more than I used to. My entire monthly expenses in China are paid just on healthcare here uh, in America. Um, the food makes you fat, like big time. Like there's something there's something in the food. It's not just the, the deliciousness of it and the, the vast quantities, but there's actually something in the food. So even if you eat reasonably, like you cut down and you just have small meals, you still get fat. So there's something going on there. I don't know what it is. But yeah, that's what I complain about. 
Um, the reverse is just how convenient and awesome it is to live here. Um, it's it's amazing. Um, I absolutely love living in America. From every aspect of life is is so easy and so good, and there's so much to do. Especially if you have a child, there's so many theme parks and and little festivals and farmers markets and you name it. There's something to do that's wholesome and family fun and you know that kind of thing. That's something that just wasn't available to me in China or South Africa, to be honest. Um, Doc Slothington, one more super chat for a great solo show tonight, Winston. Thank you very much, and I very much appreciate that. We're almost at the end here, guys. Michael A. Mayo, Elon Musk get, uh, thinks getting to Mars is more important than politics. Peter Daszak thinks that sampling every virus that infects any animal will be so important in the future that it supersedes human being, uh, human well-being. Yeah, maybe, maybe. You can give old Daszak the benefit of the doubt all you want, but he's still not a good dude for what he did, and he should own up to it. Um, Kelly Lugensky, thank you for uh, joining the channel. That's fantastic. Okay, Deeds the Super Chat, Jio Winston. Thanks, I won't let the woman let me down. I appreciate that very much. Sandwich Biden, okay. Sandwich, Sandwich Biden. <laughs> Okay, and Mimi, this is the last one, says, Sea Milk should have done the podcast lying down on the floor behind you with his cl microphone close by. Now, that's actually a good idea. Why didn't we think of that? We could have set up, set up an air mattress for him in here. Yeah, that would have been hilarious. Probably could have gotten a second camera on him. I got the, the technology. I could have done it. <laughs> anyway, thank you, guys. I appreciate this, um, this nice kind of personal little chat we could have here. Uh, obviously... I much prefer the show having Sea Milk here next uh, next to me. It's so much more uh, of an experience, and uh, it's something we both look forward to every week. It's literally the the most favorite thing that we have to do. Because hey, you know, making videos on our solo channels is all good and well, but this conversation we have with you guys, doing this live, um, there's something special about it. We absolutely love it. We can't wait to see you, and because Sea Milk will be here next week. Don't worry, we can't wait to see you next week. Creepy Milk will be out of here. And it'll just be as per usual. So until next week, you know the drill, as always. Stay awesome. We have... Oh, sorry. There's one more super chat. I'll quickly uh, go over here. Um, Brendan Mc McNamara says, It's hilarious that you're freely saying everything people in the U.S. don't want to say about their country and lifestyle. Self-reflection is good. Yeah, man. Look, I'm not afraid to talk about the things I see. <laughs> Gordon Freeman. That ingredient is freedom and too much time drinking beer in your whip. Great show. Thank you. And thank you. And yeah... You know, I, I got to once again, I'm going to say this and it's not a popular, it's not a popular opinion, but um, America is absolutely the best country I've ever lived in. And um, I've got a lot of praise for America. And the fact that America gets so much shit all the time, especially from Americans, is is a symptom of how good America is. You know, the fact that you can criticize your own government and you can criticize the things you don't like about America even if you're just a, a whiny little spoiled piece of shit that just can't handle the fact that life isn't always a bed of roses, you know? Anyway, thank you, Dong Hu Kong, as well. And thank you, everybody, for watching. I cannot wait to see you next week. Can't wait to see you on our other channels, too. Um, and I'm going to try not to cut myself off. And since it's just me over here this time, I'm gonna, just going to count down to three. So three, two, 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 yeah.